Coming up next, it's Natalie Cutler-Welsh with her show, Up Your Brave. Community, connections, holistic health, and more on RCR. Reality Check Radio. Committed to fair debate and honest information, the Reality Check has arrived. RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Natalie Cutler-Welsh here on the Up Your Brave show on Reality Check Radio. It's so good to be here with you today. Our show is all about courage, confidence, community, and connections. And over the past 15 years specifically working with people in New Zealand, I have met so many incredible people, and it is truly my honor to bring them to you on my show. This is, I, I do believe, our sixth episode, fifth or sixth, and so many incredible people out there and so much wisdom to share. Here's the truth, though. I could literally interview anybody because I truly believe that we all have so much wisdom and we are truly more insightful and more powerful than we realize. So what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to think that every single person I bring on the show is an absolute expert. What we're doing is we are having just conscious conversation. We are bringing back the authentic art of asking questions, critical questions, and not feeling like we have to be watering ourselves down. We can ask anything we want. We can discuss any topic. It's all on the table here on the Up Your Brave show. If we haven't met before, I am a speaker and author, a human design and visibility business coach. I'm a truth seeker and a wellness warrior. You may notice my accent. I'm also a Canadian Kiwi or a Kiniwi. And I've been here for more than half of my life now here in New Zealand. My, my heritage is Kiwi. My parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, all from New Zealand. So I'm fascinated with how things are going at the moment in New Zealand. And today we're going to be talking about leadership. In fact, our topic is leadership in life and the workplace. I've got two amazing guests that I'm bringing in for you. Uh, Pat Armistead, she is, we're going to interview her from over in Australia. She lived in New Zealand for many, many years. And we're going to be discussing rehumanizing the workplace and compassionate conversations. One of the things I'm looking right now at uh, Pat's Facebook page, and I really love the banner that she's got up there. I'm just going to read it to you. I feel like this is so relevant for this topic this week. She has an image and it says, we are birthing a new expression of humanity. And then it says, a person who is able to connect with their creativity becomes an antipsychotic agent in the midst of of the prevailing collective chaos that we are going through. And Pat's PR agent said, so really, Pat, you are like a spiritual midwife delivering people out of the darkness. Pat is amazing. I love her energy. She's known as the joyologist. And she's a speaker. She's an author. She's an award winner. And she's she's also very authentic about her own journey and the challenges that she faced and how she now goes into workplaces and helps them to bring their teams together. And really, we've never needed that more than ever at the moment as people are, I guess, reimagining the workplace as well as rehumanizing the workplace. My second guest later on in the show is Adam Harris. Now, Adam comes to us from the UK. He actually lives now in New Zealand for the past three years um, in Taranaki area. Adam is the founder of Frank and Fearless. He works with CEOs. He runs mastermind groups. Like me, he's a super connector, so he calls himself the introducer. And today we're going to be discussing with him visionary leadership of self and others. 
So I'm very excited to dive into those and the concept of leadership. I'd love to know from you also, how are things for those of you that do work in a workplace? I, of course, work from home, but if you work in a workplace, I'm curious to know how things have been for you as we kind of go back into working together, figuring out those relationships, those synergies and connections. So how have how has things been for you in your workplace? You can let me know uh, if you want to send a message, inbox at realitycheck.radio, and you can send an email there. So before we dive into leadership, let's go into our regular segments. We're going to do What in the World and Bucket List Busters. Ooh, exciting news. Also, We do have a new text number that you can text in on. Uh, different from the the one last week. So this updated number is 2057 or 2057. You can text that number. It's free. You don't need to type RCR. You can just type in your question or your comment that you want to share with us. If it's for the Up Your Brave show, that would be great if you can write Nat or Up Your Brave in it. Uh, But any observations you've got, any recommendations for topics, I do have some great topics lined up, which I'll mention a little bit later on in the show what's coming up. Uh, But if you've got specific people that you would love to suggest, I interviewed an amazing woman from uh, Nelson just the other day. I'm excited to to share that with you in a few weeks time. Um, And she's incredible. So we're talking in that one about NVC, which is nonviolent communication. But if you've got specific topics or people that you want me to bring on the show, um, get in touch and and we can make it happen. So that text number is 2057 and then just type your message. So let's talk about what in the world. This is my segment where you guys can message in or we're just going to cover, you know, what in the world is going on, whether that be some sort of terminology that you don't understand and you want to ask about or just a little bit of updated news. If you want news news daily, I know that Paul Brennan does his amazing show, which is called Normie News. And you can listen to that. Paul does the breakfast show. Um, And so you can check that out. Very, very good for keeping in touch with what's actually going on in the world. Uh, Many of us, many of our listeners, I imagine, have discovered Telegram. I've been on Telegram for a couple of years, but every time I go on there, um, I sometimes, you know, I'll see every few days Someone that I know has so-and-so has joined Telegram. And I'm thinking, oh, that's great. It just means more and more people are starting to seek out alternative um, ways to get their information and to understand what's going on in the world instead of what they're just served up in the mainstream or, as we sometimes say, in the legacy media. So it's exciting that more and more people are looking at different ways. And here, of course, on RCR, that's what we're that's what we're aiming to do. So this week we've had some exciting moves, especially around you know the workplace uh, over in America. Um, the CEO and also Tucker Carlson, their top, uh, you know, their top news reader, quote unquote news reader. Um, you know, they got they resigned, resigned or moved out of their positions. Some movement there, um, as well as within I think Biden's cabinet, there was Susan Rice uh, getting moved out of her role. So there's movement going on. Um, around the world and also, you know, here in New Zealand, probably as well. Changes in leadership. I do think, and I have heard that we are going to see um, some significant changes in leadership, you know, from that CEO level through to politically speaking, et cetera. Um, and leadership and the way that people show up in the world is shifting. The things that we maybe valued previously, we're a little bit more cautious about, a little bit, you know, less trusting. Uh, And that brings me to a question that we did receive from someone. Please explain what is controlled opposition 
versus controlled collaboration? Okay, love that question. Some of you may have heard of the term controlled opposition. And, you know, it's interesting because over the past three years, I I used to be a very positive and trusting person. And now I am a very (laughs) skeptical and not very trusting person, I have to say. Some, you know, you you see most a lot of famous people, whether they're in the media or the entertainment industry or acting or politics. I'm just so wary now compared to how I used to be. Um, just really in terms of trusting people, because sometimes we think, oh, well, that person's good, but maybe they're just controlled opposition, which means they're being told what to say from the opposite perspective of what the bad whatever people or media are saying but actually they're all just being told what to say so to a certain extent you know yes i uh <laughs> i take everything i read with a grain of salt but controlled opposition would be someone that's in place for you to feel that they're on side with you so some people might think oh like russell brand or maybe even tucker carlson or or a bunch of other people who knows um versus controlled controlled collaboration where yeah, they, we're supposed to think they're on our side, but maybe they're actually not. And so that's it's it's a it's an interesting time to navigate, especially in terms of leadership, especially in terms of who do we trust as an authority in the world. Um, it's hard to know; it really is. So I would just say take things with a grain of salt and really tap into your intuition, meaning listen to what feels right for you, instead of. You know, a lot of people would normally just trust the authority um, or trust the expert, but I think just coming back to yourself is always a good way to do things. Um, going back to some of the news, of course, there's been loads of protests going on, you know, for for weeks and weeks and weeks in in France, particularly in, in other parts of Europe as well, that we just don't hear about on our news news. Um, over in Australia, uh, we have a bit of a breakthrough with a class action being filed against the federal government. Uh, For some people with suffering from vaccine injuries, I do feel like we are going to see more movement in that area. Um, So stay tuned for that. And also, if that is you, um, Linda Horton has been a guest on Reality Check Radio already, but I'm going to bring her on as well in future to talk about sharing experiences of people that have had negative effects and how we can support them going forward. Um, How can we be, you know, great leaders of ourselves and others? taking empowered ownership of how we show up while also looking after people in our society, in our communities. So like I mentioned, definitely check out Normie News with Paul Brennan. And uh, one of the things for me around leadership, you know, I went to parent-teacher interviews earlier this week and when we had that that day off school on Monday. And coming back to self-leadership, you know, the teacher's like, oh, and do you have any questions about, um, this was PE and health? And I was like, actually, I do. I have some concerns around what the students will be learning in specifically in the sex ed class. Um, So I'd love to know what content you'll be covering. And she said, actually, I'm a new teacher. I'm not really sure, but I'll let you know. So in that moment, I wasn't able to find out. But my point is, in terms of self-leadership and leadership as a parent, It is important for us to ask those questions, meaning what specifically will you be teaching our children, particularly for me, at least in the areas of social studies uh, and in that health or sex ed? I am very interested and also very wary or concerned about the depth of detail, especially in this woke 
vibe that we're in at the moment, this woke phase that we're going through, um, I think we do we do want to tread lightly and we want to be in the loop and aware of what's going on. So yes, that's just a little reminder to any parents out there. I'm sure you are asking questions like me, uh, but just up your brave, ask the question, even if you think that everyone else has asked it or it's you're going to be embarrassed, it's to like just send them an email or ask them, you know, for a meeting after school or whatever it might be. It is our responsibility to know what they're teaching our kids um, and what they're being really essentially programmed with. Okay, let's move on to Bucket List Busters. This is the segment of our show where people can message in. You can text 2057 if you want to text, or you can email us in and let us know one thing on your bucket list that you would love help from the wider RCR community to maybe tick something off, something that you want to do, be, or experience in your lifetime. And that's great um, to let us know about that. We have some people in the past Carrie Brightwell, who was one of our guests a few weeks back, and she talked about wanting to run retreats here in New Zealand. We had uh, Philippa Ross, one of our other previous guests. She was talking about wanting to speak at live events. We had Pat Armistead, who's coming up today in her interview. She talks about wanting to do a TED Talk. So there's obvious, there's a bit of a theme there. Those are my guests. But what I want to know from you is what do you want to do, be, or experience in your lifetime and how can we help you? We had Liz from Wellington writing in. <laughs> she says, I want the insanity to end. Well, yes, Liz, I agree. We we all want the insanity to end. And I think part of that is around uh, leadership and leadership of ourselves and others, which we're going to dive in today with our amazing guest, Adam Harris. Um, and so looking at yourself and looking at how you're showing up in the world and obviously that energy and the questions that you ask um, are going to shift things as well. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Um, I'm so excited to be bringing you my first guest for today for this session where we're talking about the workplace um, and leadership of self and others and all sorts of things like that. We are going to be talking first to Pat Armistead, Armitstead. Now, Pat is a multi-award winning speaker. She is a facilitator, a coach, an author, an artist. Pat Armistead is at the forefront of transforming workplace well-being, presenting over a thousand keynotes internationally and facilitating workplace well-being programs in business and health sectors. She works with leaders, event managers, organizations, teams, and individuals to develop conscious, courageous, and creative leaders. So amazing. I'm so excited to bring Pat to you. Uh, Pat and I have known each other for a number of years through the Professional Speakers Association, and she's just been incredible over the past few years, voicing her opinion when um, it was, in, in a sense, a little bit dangerous to do so, especially amongst your peers. Um, and so before we dive into her interview, I would love to ask you a question around that in terms of your own self-leadership and your own peers, whether they be work colleagues or friends that you've known from high school or people that you're on a team with, you know, how did you show up um, in the past three years and how have you evolved? Because I do believe we've all evolved and we've all changed um, how we look at the world and how we present ourselves. Um and how, is, how has that affected you and your own leadership? I'd love you to ponder that. Let us know. Um, and here she is, Pat Armistead, 
talking to us today about rehumanizing the workplace and the intriguing topic of conversational intelligence. Welcome, Pat. Thank you. Wonderful to be here. And congratulations on the show. Actually, it's wonderful. Just wonderful. Well, I knew you'd be thrilled. You and I have connected many, many times on Facebook over the years as we've all navigated this very fascinating time in history. I'm so thrilled to be talking to you today. We're just going to see where the conversation flows, but I'm very intrigued about this topic of conversational intelligence. So let's, I guess, let's just start there. Um, you know, what have you witnessed? You're in Australia. We're, I'm in New Zealand. We're curious to hear how the, the past three years have been for you guys. So actually, let's start there. Pat, how have the last three years been for you guys over there? Uh, it's varied uh, uh, between the various states over here in terms of lockdown and punitive measures, um, Victoria um, suffering the worst. Um, you know, from from my own experience, the I think the things that have become very clear to me, I, I formed my own opinion very early in the piece about what I thought was really going on. And once I'd done that, and um, I actually felt a huge amount of anger and resentment around Dan Andrews, the uh, Victorian Premier. And when I looked at that, it's like, of course you would. You, you, you have been the victim of injustice yourself, and of course you would see and identify with this. And that just gave me a... Um, very secure, secure um, space to to begin deliberating on how I would be. So we've experienced a lot of disconnect uh, professionally and personally. Uh, people have uh, separated out. That people haven't talked um, amongst my speaking peers. I've experienced some um, derision and put down. Uh, around um, how I've chosen, what stance I've chosen to take. And what I'm really seeing now is we're, we're still not through it. And now is really the time when um, we need access to a level of communication that mm -hmm. we haven't previously had. Uh, Australia is a hail, hail fellow well-met kind of place, she'll be right, mate. Um, and, you know, you better water them geraniums. It's pretty laid back. I went on a tour around Australia once years ago and returned to one place that I'd been five years before. And I walked in, it was a post office, and without even blinking an eye, he said, yeah, g'day, he said, I haven't seen you for a while. He said, you're here for the mail? And I hadn't been here to pick up the mail that I used to pick up for someone else five years ago, and and there it was. And I think that epitomises this um, general community laid-back um, way of being, which has been shaken to the core. So there's been an inability on many levels to not know how to deal with it, there's been an awful lot of compliance and there's been a, a considerable amount of railing against as well. So the one of my passions at the moment, it, it's like, right, how can we 
um, restore some of this. The um, people have power when they're in community, and we've lost that. Mm. So I think restoring um, one of my rebuilding humanity, restoring humanity in the workplace is about reconnecting and um, giving people another level of language which they have not had before and which they probably wouldn't have been open to use or um, put to use five, ten years ago. But interestingly, they are now. I'm, I'm curious to know because, that, right, there's communities and there's communities within communities. You and I are both in the speaking community. Interesting, though not surprising, that you had some pushback or, as you said, some put down. I'm curious to know, did you have some people later on come, maybe not creeping back, but coming back saying, hey, actually, I might have got this a bit wrong or any sort of, I don't know, acknowledgement or apology? No. No, not yet? No, not yet. No. Wow. Right. And and that's, I guess, that, that segues so nicely into what we're talking about, because for some people, acknowledging that they might have got the wrong end of the stick or maybe didn't realize that the stick was, you know, had some of the bark peeling off or whatever, like they, they, they can't acknowledge some of that. And I actually received the most beautiful text last week. I got off a meeting with, with the radio people because we do, you know, some behind the scenes planning of getting organized. Shout out to all the people that help with the show, by the way, editing and, and putting the music in and things. But um, so I got off this meeting and I got received the most beautiful text from a very significant person in my life who had not seen eye to eye with me. And it had been quite tense, you know, time and time again for the past few years. And the, someone that has the courage to acknowledge that is just a beautiful thing. And I, my, the way that I responded in my body was not, well, I told you, you know, or I was right, or finally you've seen the, the light of day. It was none of those things. I was actually very peaceful about it and really just, it really strengthened our relationship. Um, so I guess, do you see that, or I'm hoping that more people will be able to I guess, put their ego aside and just, you know, come closer together with people that they might have wrongly wronged? Yes. I, I mean, one of the, um, perhaps I'll, I'll save that story for later in the show, to access that level of courage mm -hmm. is extraordinary because it's um, to admit that you were wrong, that you might have acted hastily, you acted with a, a different set of judgment and now passage of time you see maybe that wasn't right um and to you know i so would honor somebody um who who had the courage to do that and you know the before i left new zealand i had an old coach and he said to me do you know before you go he said if there's anyone in your periphery at the moment whom you're out a little bit with you know, you feel things are not as smooth. He said, I invite you to go and visit them and ask them, is there anything you'd like to say to me in order to be clean so that we can move forward? And he said, and when they share with you, whatever it is, he said, you just say thank you. Mm. And it's one of the most powerful things I've ever done. I went and saw three or four people that were a bit yeah, toey <laughs> and just allowed whatever it was to be expressed and accepted it. 
And in, in that like acceptance was, you know, I wasn't I wasn't preparing to say, oh well, I did that because it was none of that. <laughs> Just really be be sitting in this more elevated place. You you feel you feel the change immediately. And you would have sensed that with your with the person who was in touch with you. Oh, exactly. And it was it was actually listening to me on radio that that did it. And it was more like, now I see where your intention, now I see that your heart has always been in the right place. And it was, so that was, that was amazing. But just back to your story. I mean, number one, I love that. Not, it's not even a challenge, the invitation that that coach gave you. Number two, I love that you were the big enough of a person to think that that actually could be quite pivotal for you and that you actually went and did it and going to see them in person. So how critical is it that I think that's right. If you could, you went to physically see them, or I suppose if you couldn't, you would phone them. Obviously it might not be like an email situation. Um, Was it freeing for you? Very much so. You know, the, I lived in New Zealand for 20 years. And so a a huge range of um, communication occurred with so many people over the years, so many friends, associates, and um, I I honour myself as an integrous person and all those, you know, we can continue on if we're out with somebody, but um, it it has an energetic impact. So to, to free up in... Making the conversation, can we meet up? Um, and we did. And then just asking that question with no, you know, the important thing is all I'm going to say is thank you. Mm. So and and it becomes like it's a blurt, you know, and they dump <laughs> whatever is the resentment is sitting there. And it's just so freeing. So they didn't. I left knowing any bridge I wanted to cross, Mm. if I went back to New Zealand, I could, you know, big or small. Um, All those pathways are open and and I could, you know, cross again. And I really like that. I really like that. It's um, in on one level it's like cleaning up your mess because even if you didn't necessarily cause it, Nevertheless, it's still sitting there and the both of you are involved with it. So um, you're both cause in the matter. So being able to uh, look at And, of course, the other thing that happens is your perceptions shift. Mm. You know, when, when you're open to prepare to look at something in a different way, it can be remarkable. How, how you get a shift in thinking and even what you thought shifts. Is this a good strategy for Kiwis now, you know, going back to the workplace where maybe it was awkward because some people were mandated out and some people had very strong opinions in the other direction or whatever. And people like workplaces are coming back together again. And I guess that's part of the work you do is helping them to come back in in harmony, rehumanizing the workplace. Do you think this is is a strategy that people can use or is this, or there's some maybe steps in the interim that might be safer territory to, to begin with? Um, I certainly do, but but you know we can we can practice in our everyday lives. 
you know, there are over, you know, each of us have had various ones, dissent, not agree, um, you know, around the phenomena or not. <laughs> um, and, you know, to, to revisit those. Now, some you may not be able to, but to, to, to enter that restorative place is is to bring a, a, a level of justice to the situation, even if it doesn't solve anything. Um, the, um, you know, the, it's like all the views get really hurt at a deep level. And, you know, I, I love pre-framing conversations and, you know, the part of my pre-frame with those people when I left was um, this is an opportunity for you to um, share with me uh, anything that's been sitting there that you might still hold judgment around and and I'm just here to listen. I, I want to hear it. And that's scary, actually. It is <laughs> for both people. <laughs> you know? And the I'm getting goosebumps now. The so to it's like an offer, it's like an improv. Mm. All right. You make an offer, and if the other person's ready to receive, then then you can move into that. So to begin, to begin, start practicing with those around you, those in you know, smaller communications. And um, Judith Glasser uh, wrote a book called Conversational Intelligence uh, quite some many years ago now, and and I love her work. She really explored the three levels of conversation and um, she drew a, a, a mud map, which we can't show you now, but she, a dashboard. And so the levels are level one, two, three, funny enough. <laughs> And level one is very basic conversation. Would you pass the salt? Thanks so much. Level two is stepping up and being uh, more in the inquiry. So it's a more expansive conversation. Level one is fairly, you can be quite sceptical there, and it's pretty low trust. Step up a little bit to level two, you're starting to inquire, you're opening up and revealing a little bit more, and the, the trust level is shifting a bit. Level three is about sharing at a deep level and really going into discovery and having a desire to be in partnership. And that's the level that she's advocating we should be heading for. And that just requires, um, in the beginning, a lot of planning in your conversation and once you become fluid then you can just become agile in that and it just becomes very easy you can see where you're going and you can see where you don't want to go <laughs> and and that can be uh, a magic moment as well I, I mean pat you've got so much wisdom to share with people because Again, for those that don't know, Pat, you know, you've won 11 advertising awards, five speaking awards, including the New Zealand, Australia, NZ Speaker of the Year 2002. Um, and you've been transforming workplace well-being for over 22, 22 years, you know, a thousand keynotes internationally, 
workplace well-being programs, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like, I don't know if you do, but I feel like, Pat, you know, you've been leading up to this your whole life. Like workplaces, if they've ever needed someone like you with the wisdom that you can impart to how to get that harmony and how to rehumanize the workplace. So let's say I'm a CEO or I'm, I manage a business and I've got a team and I'm listening to Reality Check Radio today. What can you tell me that I feel like I can implement with my team, you know, on Monday? <laughs> I can. What is something that people can do to change or to, I guess, as you're talking about, you know, bring the trust back? The, I think I think people pe people model off their leader. So I, I did some work in New Zealand for the Foundation for Science Research and Technology. Um, a hundred people dealing with distributing huge amounts of money. And when I saw uh, the first person I met in relation to that engagement, she said to me, "Pat, I need you to know." Everyone here has three, at least three degrees. And I'm like, right, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> and then I met the CEO and he said, yeah. you know, we've, he said, we're all in our 70s on the board and we've been on a, a big mission to examine what we're doing here because while we're, administering all these funds and it is happening, there's hardly a conversation ever about anything. It's awkward. Mm -hmm. And he said, I knew in order for us to shift, I had to. And so he and the board developed some new values for them to model themselves by. And then he said to the board, I know I'm probably going to have a bit of difficulty in the beginning and what I'm asking of you now is, if you see that I'm not adhering to this, I want you to call me on it. And a, a lull ensued. <laughs> and he just let them sit in it. And finally, one brave fellow put his hand up and said, I actually would find that very awkward. Mm. And he said, Pat, that's exactly where it all began and we've come through this big process now and now you're here <laughs> um, to, to give us some leverage for the next step. So it, it's in the brave conversation and even when you don't know how to say it, then you just acknowledge um, what I'm about to say um, may be a bit confronting, may sound a bit awkward. Uh, you may hear um, shifts in my voice, he said, but the, the end result um, is, is a remarkable turnaround. And, and, so, and so that company got in a joyologist. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> because you, you, you are the joyologist, yes. So... And who knew that that was ever going to happen? Yeah. And, you know, the so now, that was a few years back, now I just see people, um, because of the huge affront to all lives, people are now ready and willing to listen to what they wouldn't have listened to five, ten years ago. So, you know, to 
so many leaders, you know, they're, they're still enmeshed in their old leadership style. Mm -hmm. Shifting and changing is going to be hard. So you just begin and and you begin with that first conversation um, and, and you start to engage. I worked with Kensington Swan over there in uh, Auckland for five years and they had a client intimacy program that went for five years and they introduced all of the staff to another level of knowing about each other and they knew it would take some time. So it was a five-year plan. And then they took it to the lawyers and they were a little bit resistant, as you might guess. Couldn't we just call them friends? What's this intimacy thing? Mm. <laughs> and as it unrolled, you know, the lawyers saw I don't need to, you know, get rid of the beautiful suit and the documents and this, this pristine level of uh, professionalism because we're not doing a pitch and spending 250000 now to get somebody else on board as a client. We're just having coffee. And at the end of that five-year period, they were invited by the Abu Dhabians to come and set up in Abu Dhabi. Um, and Chris Helbron, the, the manager, he said to me, Paddy said, all that had happened was where he said it was all in the conversation. You know, it was all in, it was no longer about the money as the prime mover. Mm. It, it was about who, who are we being? Who am, I, who am I being, he said, in this moment to be part of that? And what is it about me that's happened with me and, and the whole team that they're inviting us. So it, it just created, like, the, I experienced such awe and wonder. And at that time, I thought they are way ahead of their time in terms of their capacity to lead others and to know it's going to take some time. And I think mm. same now, it's like um, it is going to take some time and we need to learn how to have brave conversations. That's a whole, um, you know, a whole huge lesson on its own and then begin to have them and to create the high trust environment where we know um, we can begin to do that. I did uh, a big project here recently with um, a company called Programmed, three, uh, 30,000 staff and over 15 months, I delivered um, to their executives, 450 executives, I'm marvelled to this day. Um, and, you know, time after time after time, 20 people at a time in the boardroom were open to conversations that I never thought I would see in my lifetime, particularly with a male audience, a mature male audience, to be able to share vulnerably, to appreciate who's really in the room. And I just saw evidence of it time after time. One of the men at the end of the day, he said, Pat, he said, I need you to know, he said, I'm going home tonight. Um, 
to speak to my wife. He said, I learned today that my wife suffers with anxiety and I never knew. And as he said that, there were some tears started to fall down his cheek. All the other men in the room stood up and he got this standing ovation. And I thought, look at this. This is just the most magic thing I think I've seen. He's going to go home and his wife is going to say, what on earth are you on? <laughs> uh, because he'd be so transformed. Mm -hmm. And the same for his staff tomorrow. So, you know, it's... Um, I had a series of losses at the turn of the century and I committed whatever comes up now in my life, I'm going to go to it. So in the going to it, <laughs> feeling bald kind of uh, statement, um, it's not there, you know. Yes, there's a bit of anxiety, fear, trepidation about what might happen, fear about what we don't know. But one, once we enter that space and, and you do it with integrity with, um, and even when you can't do it so assertively, then you pre-frame it. You know, what I'm about to say, I'm actually finding very awkward and uh, I hope you'll allow and accommodate for, for how that might land. Um, and I've never had anybody not accept that. I think that that is part of the key. And there's two things I want to jump in on. I want to come back to the pre-frame. But earlier when you talked about, you know, the client intimacy and it's like, I'm, it's actually treating people like people. So instead of t treating them like potential investors or clients, like, you know, it's just treating them as people and getting to know each other and being in the moment, like not thinking about them signing the deal or whatever it might be. Yeah. And then also with you, with those executives in the room, I mean, I can just imagine it, but you know, I have a massive concern for men and their mental health and well-being, their their happiness, their role in society, because everything's always changing. And I feel like having someone like you coming in, facilitating those conversations at a time like this, when I feel like humanity more and more is starting to question, who am I? How do I want to show up in this world? You know, what kind of dad do I want to be? What kind of husband do I want to be? And all the things, not just soldier on, you know make the money or whatever. So the fact that you could hold that space for him, for them, and then exactly the the ripple effect that's going to happen from him going home and and acknowledging to his wife about the anxiety. So it's it's I think if we can all do that, treating people like people and seeing them for who they are and having those conversations, it's hopefully going to shift the way we do everything. Yes. Yes. That that company, their motto is, if you see it, own it. And uh, I've interviewed one of the board members uh, several times since. And, you know, he's been 30 years in that, within that company. And I said, how on earth do you manage 30,000 people? And he said, it's you know, it's one conversation at a time. You know, and he, I'm always on the move, of course. <laughs> fairly busy fellow, um, and the, their accident rate is incredible. And I said, so what, why is that so so wonderful? And he said, I'm committed that no one will come to harm while ever I'm here. Right. So their accident rate is really good, like low, 
That's good. And the and it's not just within their own business. One, one time I was presenting and he actually left the room and went across the street and I thought, oh, what's he up to? What's he doing? And when he returned, he said, oh, please excuse my absence. He said, but I looked out the window and I saw somebody over there uh, cleaning a glass overhang over a shop front and I knew he shouldn't be standing on the glass. They didn't have any safety equipment. There was no you know, instructions for people walking underneath to not be safe, etc. He said, so he went down there and he saw them, oversaw them, safely finish the task, found out who their uh, employer is, and he said, I'll be ringing them in my lunch break um, to have a conversation with how they might better support their people to be safe. And I said, so that wasn't your people? He said, no. Exactly. Well, you know, speaking of safe, right? In the last few years, the whole safe and effective thing has actually driven people apart, divided people. Uh, it's like, how can we safely bring people back together to have these conversations that some people just have never had the ability to have before? And you mentioned earlier the pre-frame. So I love that because, as you may or may not know, I used to be an outdoor instructor. So we do a lot of facilitation and debrief um, out in nature, not in the boardroom back in those yes. days. But um, we talked about front loading, right? Or and you call it pre-framing, but basically I love that. So you're pre-framing, hey, this might come across a bit awkward or I might stumble with, with my words. And for staff to hear their CEO or whoever doing saying that, acknowledging that, it just has that level of authenticity. And then they're going to be more open to yes. hearing, I imagine. Yes. That's so that's so amazing. Um, so, Pat, what other things do you have to share with us around the coming back to the topic, rehumanizing the workplace and conversational intelligence? Let's talk a little bit more about the conversational intelligence. What exactly do you mean by that? The um, I reserved a couple of um, points that I'd like to share with you um, from the book. Um, she says that conversations are not just a way of sharing information. They actually trigger physical and emotional changes in the brain that either open you up to having a healthy, trusting conversation or close you down so that you speak from fear, caution and worry. And one of the exercises um, that I can take people through is to give them examples of that and have them see it and um, have them analyse it amongst themselves and then come back and revisit what it is that they missed. And there's always four, five, six things that they missed. So, you know, our we listen to respond, right? The, um, and in, the, in that place, we miss what's being said to us because we were already conjuring up an answer. So when we can listen to the end of what someone's saying and then um, then respond or park what we <laughs> what we what's coming up and then respond, um, then we're much more present. And over time, people can tell you were never this present. I'm wondering how you did that. Did you actually video them? Like, how did you remember everything that they said? Uh, they wrote it down. It was like a guided exercise. Right. So they, they watched a video and then they um, 
under different headings, recorded their observations, what, what they saw, what they heard, what they felt. Um, and then we discussed that. And then we came back and watched it again. And I spoke over, did you notice? And they're like, oh, my, I never saw that. And it just opened up then what on earth going on in the day that <laughs> um, I'm missing, right, because we're always planning ahead and thinking ahead and what if and, um, and yet if we can bring ourselves back present, then we can see where people are, you know, to get really connected to look around the table Um one, one lady at uh, one of those presentations, a uh, fairly buxom woman, reached into her bra at one point and pulled out a, a big pink box and started doing something with it. And then all eyes have gone to her. And she looked up and she said, oh, oh, sorry. She said, you wouldn't be aware, she said, but uh, I'm actually a brittle diabetic. I have uh, an implant and I orchestrate how much insulin I need it certain points and I it's half an hour till morning tea. So I needed to do some adjusting. So that's what I'm doing. <laughs> and immediately everybody got it. And it was the perfect opportunity for me to then say, I wonder if you'd responded any differently if she'd been having an anxiety attack. And you could feel the energy in the room just hit the floor. Um, so, you know, being being present to what's going on and seeing the opportunity to create a learning experience um, in that shared intimacy. You know, we were only an hour or two into the day, mm. yet we had done enough work in that early time um, to create sufficient trust to be able to be in that space. And, you know... It's not always appropriate to share personal stuff. However, with another one of those people, I shared that I'd lost my first child uh, at morning tea, actually. I shared with somebody. I forget how it came up. And he sat down, he thumped his hands on the table, and he said, Pat, now I get you. Wow. You know, so to allow those things to come through, when and if it seems, you know, we're in flow, you know, there's this conversation um, which is unfolding. Somebody asks a question and, you know, you can respond in any number of ways, but <laughs> um, when you share vulnerably, uh, what a shift. And people, people can often see what they didn't see before. I agree. And for people and connection is something that is obviously we're trying to build that build back that connection. And at work, you know, a lot of people have these boundaries like these are my work people and these are my friends and it's all very separate. But you're right. Sometimes if you just know something about someone, it helps you to understand who they are. And I always talk about understanding each other better, judging each other less and loving or appreciating each other more. And that I feel like some of that facilitation that you're talking about can help people to to do exactly that. One of the mm. things I wanted to talk about as well is I know you're big on people having um, getting past the being right thing. <laughs> so how can we move away from being addicted to being 
quote unquote, right, you know, and I know you talk about having agile conversations. So what about that? What about if you've got someone in the workplace or in the family who, um, who just, yeah, they can't, they seem to be addicted to being right. I, I can definitely lapse into that myself sometimes. So what advice do you have? Well, I, th I think in order to shift that within yourself, if it's yourself you're speaking about, then um, you need to be committed. You know, if you identify that that's actually an issue, they're being right or me being right, whoever, whichever, whoever it is, um, all the time, then we, we need a commitment to change and then to really like there's the four agreements and then they've more recently created the fifth and the fifth one is about listening and listening with a level of intent that um, probably has escaped us in the, the years leading up to now. So being able to listen now to, and I've had many conversations with people who've had adverse events difficult relationships coming through COVID and um, there's a lot of, oh, but she said and they did and a lot of judgment there. If you can shift that, and I, I believe you can, but you've got to look at who you're being. Who are you being when you're in that righteous place? Yeah, and that's the ego talking, isn't it, pretty much? Probably, Yes. You know. All right. Uh, and anyone else in our audience might also be able to resonate with some of that, either someone in your life or possibly yourself. Um, so being aware of it and list coming back to listening. That is amazing. Now, in New Zealand, as you know, we're a big we're, we love our innovation. Um, so and I, you know, you, do you have some some comments or some insights or things that you've seen around the Kiwi culture of innovation collaboration like what do you see is going to be the strength that can bring us together and move us forward yeah mike hutchison the xmd of saatchi and saatchi was my mentor for many years and is still a very dear friend he's probably the most creative genial man that i know and uh, i noticed the other day he put something on linkedin uh, and led off with creativity and um, I am so with him on this. If if we don't connect into our creative force, and this is not about being an artist, this is about we've got all these many intelligences. We've got practical intelligence. We've got our IQ. We've got um, what else have we got? We've got uh, physical intelligence, um, environmental intelligence, spiritual right, as a gamut of intelligence that we have, but we typically only use sport and academia, right, your country and and, and Australia here. So we typically only use what, sport and academia? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like we honour sport. Oh, yeah. We don't honour creativity in anywhere near the fashion that we honour and play reverence to sport, to, you mm -hmm. know, the All Blacks, for example. Um and I think we need to be more expansive now. Not every not everyone can fit into that 
that all those two genres, you know. We're not all academics and we're not all sporting stars. So if we're not that, then we're not, we haven't been the headliner. Um, but there is so much, so many gifts out there that people have. And our role now as leaders is to identify them and harness that and bring it into the room. It's like managing a team of horses in a way. You need to be able to feel what's required by each horse on the end of, of the tether and then bring that together to, to have these people work together. A good horsewoman uh, over in New Zealand, I went and did a couple of days with her and she talks about how she can feel through the reins what each horse wants. And so that's the level of connection that, that we're seeking ultimately. But in the meantime, <laughs> um, to, you know, to, to just shift your thinking and be committed to explore this space. And the, um, Judith has a wonderful quote. To get to the next level of greatness depends on the quality of the culture, which depends on the quality of the relationship, which depends on the quality of conversations. Everything happens through conversations. So, and but for me, that, you know, a few sentences epitomises what does it mean to be conversationally agile? How do we get to be fluid in conversations? And I know for myself, it was a commitment. At the turn of the century, I had all of these losses. My partner of 20 years said, no, I don't love you, and I never loved you. Mm. And I thought, if that's true, and everything I've ever known is not true, and I disintegrated. However, on my path to my reintegration, I committed, I want all the words that leave my mouth to be a balm. Now, they weren't always. I was harboring a lot of anger and resentment and jealousy <laughs> back, in, back in those early years, but I was committed to move from that. So, you know, every, every program I did, every effort I made to elevate myself was all around that. I well, you definitely have. And I think that's an amazing quote, which I love. And that leads us so nicely to this question, which I ask all my guests. It's about upping your brave. So, Pat, what, what in the last year have you done, achieved, or experienced where you truly upped your brave? Um, I don't know that I have a really good one from this last year, but I do have a good one from the past. So when my ex left with this other woman, um, for six months, he said, uh, she's just a friend. And I said, oh, well, let's have her for dinner. But of course, that never happened. And in the end, I thought I need to bring them both together and have a conversation. And I was petrified. Wow. I was uh, sick in my stomach about going to that meeting. So I met him and her in the boardroom at his office and I just 
poured forth um, all that had been happening from my viewpoint in terms of him being absent from the house and um, how all of these things had interplayed out. And I noticed, number one, she just grinned stupidly and he couldn't sit at the table. And I've that's the bravest thing I've ever done. Now, prior to that meeting, I had always thought and been jealous because she was a slim blonde. After that conversation, the next time I saw her somewhere, I didn't see a slim blonde anymore. I thought, oh, oh my God, she's just like his mother. And I was free. I was free. So this is so about shifting your perceptions. You know, if you want to, only you can create that shift and you need to have the courage to do um, to do what you haven't done before. <laughs> and And it's okay. In fact, it's more than okay because that that's the point of transformation. You know, I, I you can't see me take my glasses off, but I saw her mm-hmm. with new eyes. Yeah. And she wasn't who I thought she was because I'd shifted. And I think that's what leaders can do now for their people by being more in that space and being um, being guiding eyes for, for where they're heading. A few things there. Uh, we did a previous show where the, the topic was owning your power. And in that example, you certainly did own your power. I mean, it was a confrontational inopportunity that you created um, to really own your own power and have that courageous, brave conversation and shifted the way you showed up. So congratulations on that. And obviously everything that's come since then, um, owning your own power. And also I think a lot of it is, you know, not putting someone else above you, you know, with that hierarchical habit that so many people have, like the, she's a slim blonde. It's like, yeah, but you know, everyone has so many amazing things to share with the world. Um, okay. So that's, that's your up your brave. My next question is about the bucket list. We have this segment called Bucket List Bustard, Busters. Um, what have you got on your bucket list that maybe the Reality Check community can help you with? Um, something that you want to do, be, or experience in your lifetime? Yes. Um, I have as yet to do a TED Talk, and mm-hmm. I would like to be introduced to opportunities for a TED Talk. I'd like it very much to coincide with my next book, which is called Joyful Empowerment, the only way out is through, and also with a um, solo exhibition that I'm creating at the moment called Mute Appeal, which is about giving voice to that which people can't say and giving voice to that which people don't want to hear. So I really want to be pretty confronting <laughs> in uh, in the book and the exhibition in terms of um going going next level in that um uh what are they called? you know open kimono mm. open kimono there's 
There's nothing left now to hide, um, nothing left to fear. And the and part of that is my I'm older now. <laughs> and so there's a cloak of wisdom that, that's part of that. And the uh, TED Talks that I have applied for, I've applied for several before, um, kind of glad they didn't happen actually because there's there's a whole range of substance that's come through uh, probably as a result of the last three years yes and my uh, opportunity for more reflection um, to to be more meaningful in that TED talk yeah well I mean I personally I think that the either the rehumanizing angle or the conversational intelligence. Because you know how I said, like they pass the eyebrow test. They're intriguing. It makes people go lean in and go, "What's that?" Their eyebrows go up. Tell me more. Um, something we we haven't really heard before. Conversational intelligence. Um, but I definitely can see you doing a TED talk. And you're right. It's all about you know. It is about divine timing when your message, the message you've got, is ready for the world, and the world is ready for your message. Um, you, I, my next question is what's coming up, which you, you alluded to. So you've got this book, the joyful empowerment book. Can you list how many other books have you written? I've written two on my own and I've co-authored another six. Oh, first goodness. one was called humor works, um, which was, um, my first book written in six weeks. Uh, I had, I was in New Zealand had an engagement over here at my old university and it's like, I'm not going there without a book, so I need to write a book. I think it was about eight weeks down the track. And so I did, and I had the first 100 copies sponsored by New Zealand Window Shades. How amazing is that? It's funny what inspires us when we have a sense of urgency. You're like, I am not walking into that room, the, the reunion or whatever, without a book. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. What else is coming up for you, Pat, and how can people find you online? I know you're on LinkedIn. So, you guys, it's Pat Armitstead. Are you able to spell it for people? Yes, A-R-M-I-T-S-T-E-A-D. Um, my old website is www.joyology.co.nz and I have a new website which will be released in the next week or two just under my own name, Pat Armitstead. Amazing. And we can find your, we can find all your books and possibly hear some of you, some videos of you talking, I imagine. Um, hey, before we wrap things up, Pat, is there anything else that you would love to share with our audience around upping your brave, around rehumanizing the workplace or conversational intelligence? We don't know what is to be revealed in those people around us. Um I've been working with my 11-year-old grandson and between us now we have co-authored 11 books. So out of this young mind has come this free thinking. I love improv acting, as I think you know, and he's been studying improv now for four years <laughs> and the, the awe and wonder that comes through when he's in this connected space he can sit and sit with me and write for four hours. And, you know, he's hardly bothered to have a break. Um, that's not usually how long that attention span can last. And, you know, the how did I discover that? Well, I just opened up the window where it might happen. And so while that's an episode with my grandson, 
It's like create opportunities perhaps in every board meeting where you afford five to ten minutes to find out something about somebody in the room that you didn't know before to or create. There are lots of um, cards. Uh, there are lots of different ways, tools, to help you extract some of that. And, you know, if you have weekly board meetings and you start doing that on a consistent basis, only takes five minutes, and, and suddenly you're finding out something that you didn't know before that can lead you in a remarkable way or lead your people. Well, that's amazing about your grandson. That's that's so incredible. And the, for you to nurture that talent or lift the lid on that talent and nurture it. You reminded me of a book that I read. And um, if you guys haven't listened to my interview with Paul, um, who is the host of The Breakfast Show, he interviews three people a day, every day. He's amazing. Anyway, he interviewed me for 15 minutes about my show, Up Your Brave. So anyway, in that interview, I mentioned this book that I read back in 2005, so a long time ago. And it really stood out for me. It's John Strzelecki's The Big Five for Life. And it's kind of like a bucket list. What are the five things you want to do, be, and experience before you die? And the idea of that is that he went into these workplaces and he got all the staff to do, like, it's like a team building activity. So kind of a, a vision board of sorts, but basically everyone had their, their big five list and they put it on the wall. So like, instead of just going to the water cooler and saying, oh, how's your report going? Oh, did you get that? Did you see the, the game on the rugby game on Saturday night? Instead of surface level conversation, all of a sudden they're saying, hey, I saw that you want to go to Costa Rica. I saw that on your, your big five. You know what? My cousin went to Costa Rica last year. Do you want me to ask her for some advice? Yeah, that'd be great. So suddenly the the staff, the team, they're all helping each other. They're in, they're invested in each other's to not to-do list, but they're they're big fives. Yes. And suddenly they're like asking about them. They're trying to help them facilitate them coming to fruition. Uh, which is similar but different to my bucket list. So anyway, if I can pass that on to you, an amazing book, awesome. an amazing guy, John Str. I actually reached out to him. We actually ended up becoming, you know, email friends. Um, really, I just love that whole concept. And if we can help people to do and be more than they ever thought possible, because they don't have to go it alone, and it doesn't have to be a list that gets dusty and they never get done because they're too busy doing their to-do list. It's like, hey, people love to help people. And when they know their things on their big five, there's that deeper connection that we talked about. And people love to be recognised. Above all things, everyone loves to be recognised. So to have somebody see something in you yeah. <laughs> that no one else has noticed or brought forward or acknowledged is remarkable. Mm -hmm. It is. And I mean, a lot of people have write a book on their their big five list. Well, you've done that, you know, and, and I mean, it's very a classic example. People might have, you know, run the New York Marathon, which is definitely not on my my list. But for some people, if they have a similar thing, they can actually work together to achieve the goal. And that kind of deepens that bond as well. Mm -hmm. um, Pat, it's been amazing to connect with you today. I know there's so much wisdom that you've got to share. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. It's been a delight. And I just love, I just love the synergy, right? It it's like the um, when when you're connected, and we do different things, but there there are so many things where we do connect. Um, then you get back into we have lost touch with awe and wonder, mm. you know, and 
part of that reconnection thing is to to show people. Like I'm excited to read that book now. <laughs> you know? The yeah. and to to bring that awe and wonder to it. It's like, oh write that up. Yeah, write that down. Um there's there's some of that missing. So, you know, and each and every day, wherever we are, supermarket, <laughs> um, you know, every point of contact is an opportunity to do something. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And sometimes doing something is having that brave conversation. And so one of the things I'm going to take away was your advice that you started with, which is when going, you know, if there's anyone where in your life where things feel a little bit unsettled, giving them that opportunity, just inviting them. Is there anything that you'd like to say to me that in order for us to be clear? And then your only response is thank you. It's not justification or explanation. Yep. Even in couples. Mm. <laughs> well, thank you for the amazing work you do. Thank you for being a pillar of strength and an inspiration for me. You know, over the past three years, you and I would message each other and we'd send each other links and, um, you know, it wasn't easy to navigate the the pushback that a lot of us got, but you were definitely somebody that I that I knew I could connect with. And um, you know, now we're here to lead the world in a different way because things have moved yeah. on. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks so much, Pat. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to Pat for sharing her knowledge, her insight, um, and her authenticity with us today. We've been talking about rehumanizing the workplace and conversational intelligence amongst other things, including in this episode, in this interview, we talked about reframing conversations. I love how she talked about inviting accountability and inviting people to call you out and doing a reframe of a conversation, but also a pre-frame, a pre-frame and say, hey, you know, I might be totally off on this, or I'm a bit nervous to bring this to your attention. Just coming down to people's level opens the door, I think, a little bit wider for some of those authentic conversations to happen. She also talked about joyful empowerment and, of course, asking the question to someone, hey, is there anything you'd like to say to me in order for us to be clear? And then simply responding with thank you instead of justification or explanation. I mean, it takes a brave person to do that. So if anyone out there listening would like to take that that story on board and possibly up your own brave and do that in your own life, if there's somebody that you've got tension with, and I, I, I imagine we all have at least one or two, um, maybe you could could follow Pat's lead and try that out. Now, regarding the bucket list, Pat talked about the TED Talk. So again, get in touch with her specifically, or you can get in touch with me and I can connect you um, if you've got any ideas or connections around that. She is an amazing speaker and really an amazing woman. You can follow Pat, uh, patarmistead.com. I'm going to spell it for you. Pat, like P-A-T-A-R-M-I-T-S-T-E-A-D.com. She's also on Instagram with Joyology1. She's on LinkedIn, Pat Armistead, Transforming Workplace Wellbeing. So you can check her out and we would love to hear your insights. We would love to hear your thoughts from this episode specifically, from this interview specifically. Um, how are things in your workplace? And what does rehumanizing the workplace look like to you in the place that you work or the place that you show up daily? You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. 
Uh, I'd love to know from you, what songs do you play or what song is your go-to song when you feel down or you want more motivation, you want to be uplifted? Let us know. Very keen to hear. I'm more than happy to take your music recommendations every week with my guests. And I normally have two, sometimes three guests. And I always ask them for a song that they love or a song that is relevant to the topic we cover. And then I go and search out some other songs, but I'm open to your suggestions. Um, I'm also open to playing some original music. If you're an artist out there, um, we would love to hear from you as well. If you've got a file or a song on Spotify. So yeah, what song do you play when you need to feel more alive? And also, what do you do? What do you do when you want to feel more alive? When you feel like you've been, you know, trodden on or a little bit low? What is your go-to strategy for feeling more uplifted? Because while we want to acknowledge how we feel, it's very important to acknowledge and and, and then process the emotions, not just shove them down in our body um, because that presents as wellness problems. But what do you do? then to help yourself feel uplifted. I know for myself, walking the dog, time with my dog off the leash is my is my favorite thing with the dog walking, going to the beach, always going to the water. Um, you can get some other tips like this. If you want to listen to our replays, you can go to realitycheck.radio, click replays. There's tons of amazing shows, of course, that you can you can listen to the replays, but scroll down to Up Your Brave and you'll see that there's specific links for each of the guests that I've had. Um, and there's Staying Positive in Turbulent Times was an amazing one with Amy McCauley and Joe Webb. That can be a great pick-me-up one with some good strategies there. Also Lance Burdett um, on Navigating Grief and Loss. He will have some good strategies to share as well. We also did a session on uh, Empowered Wellness. I talked to John Coombs in that session um, and also Rach Bird. And so, so many, so much wisdom to share with you guys if you want to go and check out those replays. But um, you have a little think about how do you perk yourself up if you're feeling a bit low? Maybe it's certain people that you go and hang around with. Um, and speaking of which, in this, my upcoming guest, one of the things I love about my upcoming guest is in this interview, he shares, and he works a lot with like big time, you know, CEOs and, and managers and such. But he shares some great insights around visionary leadership, leading yourself, leading others. But also he shares like humbly around his own loneliness. And I just thought, you know, that is upping your brave to just be so open that you can say, hey, you know, it's been lonely. And specifically for him moving from a different country to New Zealand, but even just anyone here, you know, it is easy to be lonely. Um, and just the other day, I met at my at the beach, you know, at a cafe with my business networking club that I run. It's called Empowered Connections. And sometimes we have guests come along. They're not speakers. They're just, they just come with a free pass. They're just a guest, someone's friend that gets invited. And we had this amazing guy join us. And he was saying how he really wants to work with more men, um, not necessarily mentor, well, mentoring teens but and mentoring men, but also just getting other men together. He's like, we don't do this. We men, we don't sit around, you know, at the beach on cushions or at a cafe when the when the beach is is too windy and we and just have this deeper level conversation. Like there's not as much opportunity. And I said, you know, you're right. Like there's there's network, quote unquote, right? Networking clubs and organizations. But the difference with mine is I say, you know, leave your ego at the door. 
And I've said that for 10 years when I started my business, which is called GoTo Girl Limited, which was essentially a business networking club. And I would say 10 years, 11 years ago, I used to say, Lee, this, this is not where you walk in the door and you, you're all bright and shiny with your business card. Everything's perfect. Everything's great. No, this is leave your ego at the door. What are you working on at the moment? And how can we help you? Is literally the vibe. Do you feel the difference in energy between, hey guys, things are amazing, you know, hire me versus, hey guys, this is what's going on for me. And this is the, this is what I would really love from you. It's just a totally different energy and a different vibe. And he said, um, the guy that came along to my session this week, he said, there's just nothing like this for men. And so, hey, I would love to put it out there. I would love to hear about um, different organizations or groups or things going on for men where you can just kind of be you and get real and ask questions and feel totally comfortable and included and connected um, and not lonely. And I know there's amazing stuff out there. I just love to hear more about it so I can help to spread the word. Uh, with that being said, let's introduce our next guest, Adam Harris. Um, Adam is amazing. He is a speaker, an author, a presenter, as I said, a facilitator. He's a huge fan of mastermind groups. And if you don't know what that is, he's going to talk about it in our interview. Uh, but basically the power and the synergy of people coming together, be it in person or online and having that level of accountability, brainstorming, you know, sounding board, uh, because usually the question you're about to ask somebody else in the group, and the group would normally be eight or 10 people um, or slightly less, probably is wondering the same thing. And I find the same thing with my, with my Align and Amplify coaching club that I have, same thing. It's like, that's the power of bringing people together, is that whole together we rise vibe. And today I'm talking to Adam about his topic of visionary leadership of self and others. Um, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview. Welcome, Adam. Thanks for having me. So good to have you on the show today. If you guys haven't met Adam before, he is a speaker, an author, a prov provocateur. He is an intuitive. He likes to ask about the five whys and is always challenging the status quo. We love that here on Reality Check Radio. We love to challenge the status quo and to tell it like it is and to remain open-minded and asking critical questions. So I'm thrilled to have you on the show. I know I'm that you're in... <laughs> Amazing. I know that you're in Taranaki. Um, so before we dive into leadership, um, how is the vibe down there? Uh, do you know what, um, Natalie? The vibe here is really, really good. I moved here three and a half years ago from the UK. Uh, we pretty much sold up everything. I uh, moved here. We felt the calling. I felt the calling about 30 years ago when I first landed on the shores. Uh, my uncle and aunt emigrated to Fongaparoa. Uh, and... I just knew at some point we were going to move here and then an opportunity came about. Um, I saw the green school that was being built down here, both myself and my wife are former teachers. And it was like, actually, do you know what? That's where we're going to move the family to. So uh, yeah, just life down here is very different. Um, and I'm sure we'll cover that at various points during the, uh, during the show. Oh, I'm, I'm intrigued because I, while I haven't lived in Taranaki, I have lived in, I think four places in New Zealand, Timaru, uh, Marlborough Sounds, Christchurch, and Auckland. Yes, those are my locations so far. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm keen to hear a little bit more about, about what that's like down there. Um, so you came here from the UK 
And I, I correct me if I'm wrong. I think you work in, is it in the corporate space or with teams? I'd love to know like the leadership that you've experienced or you've witnessed or noticed in New Zealand generally, and specifically, I don't know, over the past three years. Yeah. So I kind of came here. Uh, I've had challenges with my uh, visas and residency. And, you know, the aim was always to stay here long term. We we took a, a punt in leaving the UK and coming over on what was called a guardian visa, which meant that I was able to work remotely. So I've, I've still now got clients back over back over in the UK. But being somebody of um, of service, I always felt that I needed to give back to others. Uh, and what was interesting is, is as we were moving towards um, going into lockdown here, the UK was probably about two or three weeks ahead of what was going on. And I, I, I turned around to the to the local uh, Institute of Directors um, organization and said, look, I'm telling you now, this is what's going to happen. Um, somebody's going to need to hold the conversation with the business community because, you know, we're going to we're going to be in a space where the ability to be able to communicate and make decisions is going to be very, very different. Um, you know, I, I was heard, but it wasn't necessarily acknowledged. Time goes on and then I get a call going, hey, Adam, I think you're right. I'm like, OK, look, I'm not saying I told you so, but I told you so. <laughs> um, yeah, we'd love to do something. What do you suggest? I was like, well, look, just go on Zoom. Oh, yeah, but um, none of us know how to use the technology. I'm like, OK, look, I've got an enterprise version of Zoom. Just use it. Yeah, but nobody knows how to, um, you know, to run the meetings. I'm like, okay, do you want me to do it for you? So I'm like, okay, cool. So I literally just went into service very fast, very quickly, and was supporting a number of different organizations locally and, and, and across the country just to maintain the conversation and the narrative to, uh, you know, it, it was an incredibly challenging time for everybody and the decisions and the choices that people were having to make on the fly. Um. I think some of the observations that I've noticed since I've um, I've been here is there's a very high level of compliance. Yeah. Um, there's there's a couple of things uh, that um, a couple of uh, people have said to me which have really stuck really true. So the first thing is is that um, in other parts of the world you will you can it takes five years to meet the decision maker five minutes to make the decision here in new zealand it takes five minutes to meet the decision maker but five years to make the decision so you know the, the aspect of kind of one degree of separation um you know to be honest here down in taranaki um you know somebody's probably a cousin of somebody i mean it, you know it, it literally we're, we're living in a in a land where the proximity of knowing people is really high which is great so you can get in front of the right people but the ability to be able to make clear and decisive decisions um, is often uh, lacking. The other thing um, that somebody pointed out to me is that here in New Zealand, um, because there's a there's not a large number of people, um, where in other countries, I'm from the UK, you're from uh, from America, and you know a lot of other countries is that typically a leader will be in a role for maybe a two to three year period maybe up to five. Mm. But what they're actually looking at doing is when they're recruiting, they're looking at bringing somebody in that they're going to be able to train, uh, delegate and elevate, get to the position so that they can then move on either within that company or, or moving elsewhere. Um, because there's a shortage of high-end leadership roles, uh, the average position probably is about six to nine years. So what that actually means is, is that the progression opportunity is quite slim. 
And then the ability then to, when you're looking at bringing somebody in, and I've seen this with my own eyes, is you won't bring the best candidate in because if they're really hungry and up for it, they're going to have your job within a couple of years. So there's a real apathy around um, basically under-recruiting. So a real, real challenge. I think the other thing is is that um, self-awareness. There's a lot of people that are... Um, leaders that are actually managers and that ability in first and foremost for me a leader is somebody who um, takes full ownership and responsibility they have high level of self-awareness and actually you know they realize that their sole responsibility is to make themselves redundant by making themselves redundant what they've actually done is is they've empowered delegated and elevated into uh, into the team or the individuals that work for them which actually creates the space for them to move into. But the challenge with that is, is that it's it, it, that's a different mindset. Um, and there's a there's a stagnation of uh, leaders that want to grow themselves and their teams. You inter- you've mentioned so many interesting things. First of all, I love that phrase, delegate and elevate. And it is a bit tragic that in companies where you'd, you think that they would want the best of the best, that sometimes just for their own, whatever, human fault or fear of being ousted, um, under recruiting and in the, you know, the outfall of that, of course, or the the missed potential for the company. That's a bit tragic. Um, do you find that part of that is cultural? Meaning, well, a lot of the people that I know, I mean, most of my friends and clients, I would say 80% are, I would call them internationals, meaning born somewhere else. Um, and I don't know if that's just me and the people I attract and surround myself with, or if it's a reflection of Kiwi culture in those higher positions, you know, if someone comes in from a different country and they've got this kind of like, I'm my, I'm, I'm here to really make myself redundant mentality. And then they get amongst the Kiwi vibe and they're like, Oh, I mean, is it cultural? How much of it is cultural? Oh, I think there's a massive cultural thing. I think there's a, there's a couple of things for me on this. If we look at the education system globally. Okay, so it's not just here. And I say this as a qualified teacher, a former senior lecturer within a number of different universities, as a father and somebody that has sat on the boards of a number of different schools. Okay, so I've got context from a number of different perspectives. Um, One of my uh, one of the 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 people that really inspired me was a, a guy called Sir Ken Robinson. Uh, definitely worthwhile just searching up and basically his fundamental message was is that the education has not been fit for purpose for over 100 years it was de- designed uh, in the industrial revolution to create individuals that were workers within factories that were doing mundane tasks um you know and actually uh, a side note on this is the way that ai is shaping up and uh, evolving very fast very quick is that uh, actually it's even going to supersede even further so what what we've what we if you look at the education system and you look at society as general is that we haven't been taught to think and challenge and question we've been taught to follow instructions and rules and compliance right um there's a reason why we're on this show and that's part of the a part of the fact so when you look at when you look at that uh, compliance level um and you know following herd mentality etc is that there's no surprise that when we look and we go into organizations is that the um the innovation the creativity the opportunity to think and feel differently is really lacking so i think from a global perspective that's there 
if we then look at um you know new zealand kiwi culture is is that the aspect of kind of tall poppy syndrome if you want to step out from the norm uh the the, the general expectation of what you should or shouldn't do you've you've got to have high levels of resilience you've got to have the ability to be able to kind of uh you know almost um wings of steel knowing that you're going to be condemned or um ridiculed for doing something that may well be be different um interestingly my wife's phd is in uh entrepreneurship and she studied quite a lot within um uk europe and north america and interestingly um if you look at american culture the aspect of failure is just part of the process. So if you if you're an entrepreneur or somebody that does something that's out of the norm, you're celebrated for giving it a go. Hey, well done. You know, you didn't do it this time, but get back on the horse and try again. So there's the the culturally, there's the ability to 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 try to not succeed, but to re you know realign and then go again. Um, in the UK and definitely here in New Zealand, it's like, you know, to be that outlier, you know, the odds are stacked against you because that support and that ecosystem that's going to help hold you um, is very, very few and far between. So definitely that, you know, culturally, it's uh, it, it does not allow um, the conditions for success. What I've also observed is, is that, you know, and I think you kind of pointed it to it in the question is that when you get somebody that has come from an international perspective or they're born here and they go elsewhere, they come back into uh, the environment, they go back into an organization uh, in a leadership role, is that the gap is so far is that actually what they have to do is they have to bring themselves down. But actually, there's a, there's a real opportunity. And, my, and this is the space that I work in, is I work in the space of helping those leaders create what's the culture that you want to create that's going to allow you to have the vision, to have the alignment, to be able to kind of move forward. But we've all got to do it and we've got to take responsibility. I'd love to think that the the in the and I don't work in a company culture. That's not my space because I am, you know, I, I am a solopreneur. But um I'd like to think that the Kiwis with if they did have a leader like that come in, they could rise to that that energy and that that culture rather than dragging the other person down interesting what you say about the the worker bees mentality or the um i i had a conversation in, in the in the car the other day with a 15 year old that i was driving not my child and they were talking about that well school is really just training us how to be workers and i was and they were talking about the matrix and i was like oh my gosh i'm loving everything you're saying like and obviously it possibly comes from one of their parents i'm not sure but you know, I thought that was amazing. I was really, it was heartwarming to hear a 15 year old start to kind of question the school system and the relevancy of some of that. And I, so I, I was just, I was, I was feeling positive after that. Well, look, here's the thing. If you think about it, um, uh, maths, you know, and I'm not trying to underline any aspect of, uh, of learning, but it school and education is just one aspect you know it, we've always been influenced uh by those people that uh that we surround ourselves with so whilst you uh are a solopreneur you have uh groups and organizations uh, and clubs that you that you share values with so you're you're picking up and you're learning and you know the the aspect of understanding and hearing things from people that you that you know like and trust is is going to influence so you know the 
I can't believe I'm saying it, the youth of today, um, if you look at the influences that they've got, is that, yes, they've got school, yes, they've got their parents and their and their peers, but the opportunity now to kind of uh, to, to find the groups or, you know, the people that just get them um, is far, mm. far wider and greater. So, um, you know, I, I know if I, if I reflect on what I'm doing now, uh, what I learned at school is minimal. You know, I, I, I think we we need to show ourselves and also those around us that actually every day is a school day the learning that we take from lots of different things um and and you know what what's amazed me over uh, over a period uh and even more so that's been highlighted over the last three years is people's ability to just uh conform and not challenge so somebody says this is the way that it should be. It's like, okay, cool. So are you going to take that because some one person has told you? Are you going to challenge the authority? Are you going to challenge your own decision-making as to why you should or shouldn't do something? So um, the observations that I had through, as we were going through uh, the mandates and the, and the lockdowns, et cetera, was, you know, and, and bearing in mind is that, again, context is that, um, being being a professional coach and challenging uh, individuals, organisations, and the status quo is that I'm I'm always asking why. So why 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 why? You know the aspect of kind of the five whys. So I'm seeing, and then I saw it from you know what was going on here, and I also then got a lens of seeing what was going on in the UK, and then what's going on in in, in America. Um, in at what point? Does an individual just accept what they've been told or what they read or what they hear or what they or what they see without the ability to kind of go, I want to find out more information. I want to I want to take my own perspective. Um, and it's, it's it, irrespective as to what side that you sit on. You know, I, I had a couple of situations when I was growing up, which really probably highlighted this for me. And I think it'd probably be. Be interesting to kind of share with the listeners so um i worked in northern ireland for um near on nine months so there was a huge amount of troubles over the years in in northern ireland i <clears throat> i uh, was in a small place called bellamina which is about uh, an hour north of belfast and there was a, a car fire the first i heard about it was two days later when my brother said hey you're all right i'm like what are you talking about he says well there was a car bomb in uh, where you are i'm like excuse me and i did a further bit of re you know information and just kind of go the narrative that was played out took it down a particular path which that made you think or others think this is what's going on without even without even second guessing it you know these these sorts of things have been around for a for a long time i think uh from an individual perspective from teaching our kids and also definitely within, um, you know, uh, the corporate environment and within business, we have to be inquisitive and challenging because actually that's where the growth comes from. If we if we stagnate and stay still, you know, that, that old saying, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. The only way to break through that is to ask questions, is to challenge self and others to be able to, to find uh, a better, more productive, different way that's actually going to add value bit of a rant there sorry I, I love it I totally agree and I to answer your question which was back there like at what point do people stop complying and start to ask questions and from what I've seen and particularly in the past three years 
they don't until it affects them directly. And so, well, not always, not everybody, because for me, I work for myself. So it really didn't, it wasn't a big deal. If I, you know, I couldn't go to a cafe, that's fine. We'll just do our networking at the beach. You know, I can't, um, you know, I don't need to see clients in person. Like I can work online. I did, that didn't affect me directly, but, but I have this very burning streak of concern for humanity and other people's rights as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and also I was worried about what they were saying and, and I didn't believe. And so I have trust issues, a lot of trust issues. And so I didn't believe a lot of it, but I think for a lot of people, they won't quote unquote, wake up or ask questions until it affects them directly for, so for some people mandates, you know, oh, you know, it didn't, you know, it didn't affect them or they wanted to go on holiday or whatever, but for other people, different things will start to make them ask questions, whether it's the, the baby will with the, the vaccinated blood situation, or maybe it's, um, you know, over in France when it's like, they're changing the, the age of um, retirement and that's affecting people or maybe, and you know, they're changing taxes. So that's going to, if people are suddenly going to start questioning things around, you know, so until it really affects them directly, I think some people, don't actually, they, not so much they can't be bothered, but it just doesn't come into their realm of awareness until it affects them in the back pocket or in the heart or wherever things they value sit. Yeah, I, I think there's also something to add on this in the fact that whatever the narrative is that we're playing internally, because it's now affecting us, inverted commas, is then to um, dismiss or really hold true to what we believe is is the right thing for us at that moment in time. And, you know, I, I, for me, what's really important is, is that, you know, there's a, you have to have a level of empathy and understanding for other people in being able to say, Hey, Natalie, you may well think and feel differently to me. And whilst I disagree, I have to understand and respect that you have a different decision because that's the decision that you've made for yourself. Um, that ability to, uh, to, to come out of ego, mm. because that's what it is, is that we believe that what, you know, what our truth is actually should be the truth of everybody else. And we're not just talking here about um, uh, about mandates uh, and lockdowns and everything like that. It, it, it's, it's anything, is that what gives me the right to say that actually what I think, believe and see and feel is, 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 is gospel. Because if I come at it from that ignorant perspective, I'm closing my mind to actually not allowing somebody else to have a different opinion. And actually, if if I go into it with an open mind and give myself the permission to go, hey, do you know what? I might be wrong. I might. So what do I need to do? And ha- again, ask those questions to say, just, just help me see it. A, a friend of mine in the UK, um, Paul McGee, does this thing <clears throat> from a leadership perspective. So imagine uh, a beach ball with six different colors on it. Okay. So um, you see, I, I, I hold it up and you see red, green and blue and I see orange, pink and white. And I say, well, what do you see? And you go, these are the three colours. I go, uh, Natalie, you're absolutely completely wrong because this is what I see. I can't believe that you can't see the same thing. And, you know, we're at that juxtaposition all the time and kind of going, what I see is is gospel. And actually by allowing ourselves to 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 sit in the other in the other seat or see it from some from the other side there's a huge amount of actually learning and growth that can come from that um by being open to that and and what he then does is he then turns the ball kind of on its side yeah so you can then see all the six colors and you go actually you know um you're 
your perception is your reality, right? But actually what I have to do is that in order for um, for me to think, is my perception reality? Is it an assumption or is it a known fact? And, and you know, when I'm coaching and working with leaders and working with teams, this thing that really comes through is that I can't believe that such and such has done this or, you know, I feel unjust and everything like that. I go, okay, cool. So you you have a thought, a feeling or an emotion that kind of sits beneath that. That's great. But is it an assumption or is it a known fact? Oh, it's, oh, actually, it might be an assumption. Okay, cool. So how are you going to get clarity? Well, I probably need to ask the question or I need to do some research or I need to do something to to actually get get the the solid facts um and when when individuals are then challenged from that perspective and and a lot of the times things so things are so emotive just that take that ability to take that step back and go right okay is it an assumption or a known fact um you know i i work and i help people understand that clarity creates confidence and when you have clarity, first and foremost for yourself, but you also have clarity on what's expected of you, uh, that then allows you to then be coming from a center of truth, which then allows you to move forward. Um, I, I, another one of my sayings is, is that, you know, there's three sides to every story. There's your side, there's my side, and there's the truth. And the truth will always be a, a combination of both sides. You know, I, I can't, I can't, um, sit here and say that I'm ever hundred percent right on anything because I only see it from my, my narrative, my window. And I, um, I think that's where we've been. I mean, that's, that is human nature, but specifically with what we're navigating now, that's where we've been. Like, so people have what they perceived and I have what I perceived and my yeah, other people in my life have what they perceived. And now it's like, how do we move forward? You know, so it's this, I guess, as we lead ourselves, and I know you like to talk about visionary leadership of, of oneself and others, um, how do we lead ourselves forward as possibly more truth becomes known or revealed or um, especially in the workplace, how do we move forward? How do we lead ourselves first? Um as we navigate these these new times, hopefully moving out of these crazy three years into another phase of craziness. <laughs> well, look, here, here's the thing is that if it's not this, then it's something else. Yeah. You know, um, if we look at our own individual lives with all the components that sit within it, uh, you know, and we were speaking about this b before we got on air, is that you have all these multiple different angles. You know, you have your work or your job or your career, your you know, kids or uh, spouses or anything like that. If you actually reflect and go, at what point in my life was every one of those as good as it ever has been? Probably only one or two moments in your life when actually everything's been working completely the you know the way that you want to be. Yeah. So, uh, as we live life, um, challenge and opportunity and uh, discomfort and growth, it's that's the one thing that actually is consistent. Mm -hmm. So, how and what do we need to do to not fight it because if we try and fight it we're we, it, it, we've got to first and foremost accept and then it's a case of right okay what do we need to take ownership and responsibility for on a on a daily weekly monthly basis you know for some people it's exercise journaling uh meditation whatever what, whatever it is that allows you to go to a place where you're able to kind of contemplate and have a level of reflection and have a level of calmness and stillness to actually understand that the the things that hold us back uh are actually the things that are preventing us from potentially doing 
more of what we actually want to do. You know, often it's um, uh, one of my phrases is, um, you know, be frank and fearless. So actually embrace the the fear, um, you know, and have more focus, have more fun and have more flow. And actually when you're, when you're in that, when you're in more of a state of knowing um, you, you can live a more fulfilled life. I love all of those F's, the flow, the fun, the focus, definitely. Yeah. The fearless as well. And being frank, that's good. That's always good. Um, and is that what you're doing in your life for you? I mean, obviously you're walking the talk. I know that you, I know, I know that you, you work with people in the EOS. You're, you're a professional EOS implementer. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> I want to ask you about it, but I don't even know what to ask. What is it? Okay. Mean? So EOS stands for entrepreneurial operating system. So Six or seven years ago in the UK, I've been running, I've been coaching and running mastermind groups for chief execs for nearly 15 years. Um, client of mine came across this book called Traction by a guy called Gino Wickman. Um, and it literally changed my life. You know, I implemented it and I was like, this is really cool. There's nothing in it that's poten potentially revolutionary. It's all stuff that's been seen, especially within within the business world. But what it does do is it simplifies the language to be the ability to be able to cascade it through the whole organization. So I spend my time now working with um, entrepreneurs and business owners uh, in helping them kind of, you know, solidify and get clarity around three things. The first thing is around vision. So making sure that they've got a clear North Star. Where are they heading as an organization? What's their, you know, Simon Sinek would say, what's their why? Why does the why does the organization or the business exist? Because it might not just be about making widgets. It might well be about, you know, uh, feeding the homeless, um, you know, in a region somewhere. Um, once they've got that vision, it's ensuring that every single person within the organization knows and understands, but also knows what their role is within achieving achieving that and then sharing it with the uh, customers and suppliers. Um, second thing then is around traction. So what's the consistency of meetings to ensure that we're delivering against that vision? So we we under we overestimate what we can do in a year. We underestimate what we can do in 10 years. So it's about making sure that there's the, the consistency. And we talk about an aspect of, uh, of 90 days. So what are the what are the goals or the rocks that we need to do for the next 90 days? And then the third thing is around healthy. So this is around. And this has been a challenge for some organizations here, but that's where the growth comes from, is that there's a healthy part. So the healthy part is around having the right conversations with the right people at the right time. So instead of those, hey, you know, suing accounts, I can't believe she's just done this. We're talking about them proactively. We're changing, you know, we spoke about culture. We're changing the culture within the organization to mean that it's okay because everybody has levels of accountability. So we move away from an organizational chart to make sure that people are accountable. And then what we're looking at doing is making sure that we're having the right conversation. So, hey, look, Natalie, do you believe that you're performing at the moment? Okay, cool. Well, what do we, we collective need to do to ensure that you're you're living your, and you're doing your best work because when we've got people in the uh, in the organisations that first and foremost are the right people they understand the values and the direction and the vision of where we're going but they're also sitting in the right seat within the organisation they're doing their best work um they just start getting traction and we just move we just move forward it's it's phenomenal I, I love the work that I do.
I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of like team building and conscious conversations. And sometimes you do need to bring in an external person to kind of facilitate in how to have those conversations. It, and Because otherwise people, a culture, a company can get into a bit of a culture of their own. Oh, we don't talk about that, you know, or so-and-so always makes all the decisions. So it's just the way it is in mm -hmm. our company. Um, so I, I love that. I mean, I think, I think if we can all as humanity rise higher in terms of the levels of conversation and communication that we can have. And of course, I'm a huge fan of people in their job or business doing something they love in their area of genius, because then you're going to get higher performance as well. So sometimes someone's just in a job because they've they're too scared to move or they're well, in the, you know, they're not in um, their, their zone of genius. Absolutely. And that taps completely into, um, you know, the work that you do with human design, you know, when yeah. you know and understand who you are, what you are and what you're supposed to do in this world, um, things become a lot easier. You know, the, the, the challenge just seems to dissipate because you're doing the love, you're doing the work that you love. And when, you know, uh, why would you not want to do that now? Look, don't get me wrong. It takes time and energy and hard graft to sometimes get there. But actually, as you navigate through that, um, the lessons that you learn along the way, you know, um, it's challenging, but that's where the growth comes from. I, I agree. And I think I'd like to think that, you know, the corporate environment, hopefully in New Zealand, but definitely in other countries are ready to look at things a little differently. Like, you know, me with my human design, if I can go in there and talk to them about how can we understand each other better, judge each other less. And I usually say love, but let's say appreciate each other more. And imagine the type of work that we can really, you know, the results that we can get for the company when everyone gets each other, not just what their, their, you know, their title is or their certificate degree on the wall, but like deeper level than that. And, you know, I did this session yesterday for a group and it was around, I actually asked them at the start, where in your life are you out of alignment at the moment? Three, where, what three areas? And you mentioned it before, it might be wellness or fit, it might be their fitness that's a bit off or their, you know, their nutrition or their, what they're eating, that kind of stuff. Or maybe it's the relationships, you know, mm -hmm. one particular relationship, a friendship perhaps, or maybe it's around, um, you know, the, it might be around the work that they're doing. It might be a little bit off or, or their sleep patterns. And so we kind of looking at your life and asking like, where am I? I use the phrase out of alignment, but it's really, you know, where are things not working the way that they could and work better. And that's what you're about, the high performance and leading each other. So tell me a little bit more before we go on to my questions that I love to people ask people about, which is upping your brave, um, a little bit more around the visionary leadership for self and others. If our listeners are listening and they're like, oh, this is interesting, but how can I be a better leader of my own life? What guidance would you give? Oh, uh, we've not got long enough. <laughs> Look, I think I think there's a couple of simple things that I would say. The, the first thing is, is to um, speak to those around you. Speak to the people that you know, like and trust. Um, the people that you admire, because, you know, people will do people. People will do things uh, like the way that you do them. So if you, you if you're naturally drawn to an individual or a group of people, uh, just asking what their hacks are. Um Try something. You know, the um, one of the books I wrote was all around uh, all around habits, and it takes sixty six days to put into a new into a new habit. That's what the research says. So, um, try something. Commit to it. Uh, whether that be mindfulness, reflection, journaling, uh, meditation, like it really doesn't matter because each person is is going to be different. Um, there's so much. I mean, if we think about the resources that are available for free, you know, going online and looking at, you know, TED Talks, 
Um, I suppose the easiest way to say it is think about the biggest challenge issue or opportunity or the stumbling block that you've got at this moment in time. And just type that into Google or YouTube and there will be a video mm. which will just help you. You know, how do I navigate X? Um, I've got a problem with Y. Um, you know, somebody else has been, you know, uh, you know, running mastermind groups. One of the things I've always said is that, you know, the issues, problems, challenges and opportunities that you're going through at the moment. The person in the room has either been through it, is going through it or will go through it. So I'm a massive firm believer in experiential learning about learning with with others, hearing, seeing, feeling the, the what they're going through uh, and doing it. And and actually, that starts with just having a conversation with a friend who is not going to judge you, is going to listen uh, and is then going to be able to kind of support. Uh, coaches are great, um, you know, mentors. Find the one person in your life that can ask you a question that you can't ask yourself. Mm. I think that's a key point because I think to become the leader of your own life, you don't have to do it by yourself. You've mentioned masterminds before. So for those people that don't know what that is, um, I'll give my definition, but I'd love you to jump in. You know, it's a group of people, whether it be usually online, but sometimes in person that come together, maybe six people, 10, five um, that brain, like that, that talk about issues and goals and things like that. So sometimes you need someone else to facilitate or bounce ideas off of. And I love how you said experiential learning, right? Would also, I think experiential learning adds to results in exponential learning because then that comes back to me saying, well, we can't do it by ourselves. It'll be a lot slower. If you try to do it by yourself, you don't get a, a couch or a mentor. You don't have a mastermind group. You don't possibly go and seek out something, a life coach or someone that can help you dive deeper. What is your definition of mastermind group to clarify um, for people? Yeah. So I think, I think for me, there's, um, and I give an example on this. So when you're learning with other people, you're experiencing life through and with others. So like, as I said before, the issues, challenges and opportunities that you will go through or are going through others, others have got experience that they can add in. So um, COVID hit um, two weeks in the UK before um, before here in New Zealand. My mastermind group were all prepped and ready and they knew exactly what they needed to do to execute on, 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 on dealing with the situation. The reason why is that one of the members had had a situation within their industry where something happened literally overnight and they had to pivot within 48 hours. So the group have lived through a similar situation. Mm -hmm. um, they knew instantaneously, we don't need to panic because this is something that we've gone through before. Okay, it wasn't me, but I was with David who went through it. Cool, right, now what do we need to do? So that, that ability to not panic and just deal with the situation, uh, you know, going back to one of the things we said before is that actually life just happens, you know. Um, so it, one of the things for me that has always rung, rung true is that um, the higher up you go within an organization, the more money you get paid, not for the work that you do, but the decisions that you make. Okay, so if you think a, a worker on the factory floor that's taking widget A from um, point one to point two, 
their decision maker is I just need to move it from here to here, right? If you're the CEO of a large corporate organization, you've got the responsibility of all your customers, you've got the responsibility of all the staff, all of the other stakeholders. So you will you will be judged upon the decisions that you make. And that's where the value exchange uh, comes. There's an interesting thing that's beginning to happen with AI, which is, you know, AI doesn't have the emotive uh, background, doesn't have the history mm. and can make the decision based on uh, on facts. So if we talk about management and leadership, it's going to be interesting over the next five five years is to where and what are the roles that will and won't exist and what are the new ones that will exist as a result of the next evolution of how technology is uh, is moving forward. Um, I've just gone long-winded in answer to your question. A mastermind is... I know, but I love that we went there, so yeah. carry on. <laughs> uh, a group of people that are either industry or sector-specific or not, um, ideally facilitated. For me, being a facilitator, I would say it, but it's the ability to, to challenge and hold the space to uh, to grow and develop into areas that you need to go, but you're not even aware that you need to kind of go there. Um, I, I love running mastermind groups. I'm running three at the moment. So yeah, just love it. I know so much, so much power in that. Um, all right, well, let's go to my one of my questions. I ask all my guests, what have you done in the last year where you've achieved, um, navigated or experienced something where you truly upped your brave? Uh, so earlier this year, I got a uh, residency here in New Zealand. So it wasn't just over the last 12 months. There was a, it, one of the things we talk about within EOS is a, uh, having a 10 year vision. So what's the 10 year target? What's the point? What's the marker in the sun that you want to get to myself and my wife, uh, our 10 year target was to live nomadically and the opportunity uh came to kind of move to new zealand i was really clear that i wanted to give my daughters a different opportunity i felt that the uh uk specifically uh was going in a downward spiral um you know one of the one of the advantages that i've had over the years of running these mastermind groups is that i've been exposed to some phenomenal experts thought leaders speakers authors etc so when you start beginning to hear the same sort of thing, you kind of go, oh, actually, maybe it's not the right place to be. So that so we 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 decided that we were gonna gonna move here. The the challenge uh has been way more than I thought it was gonna be. Um moving here, uh physically moving, mentally moving, changing and adapting uh business. Um for the first time in my adult life I had to deal with loneliness so I literally remember a couple of days before we went into the first lockdown March 20 uh walking on the beach just down the road going wow I've been here four months and I'm lonelier than I've ever been in my life um I then went into service and it wasn't probably until nine months after that that I had to kind of kind of deal with that and just navigate navigate through that um what what do you think I know we're almost done, but what do you think is the reason for that? I mean, loneliness, of course, is a whole topic. We're definitely going to cover something like that in a future episode. But yeah, what's the main um, thing there for you? So I, I know I don't I don't think I know that um, I've I've always struggled through my life to have a sense of belonging. You know, it, my inquisitive nature comes from challenging and asking questions, both 
uh, at home and at school and not a first and foremost not being heard but then not fitting in being an outsider and for years and years I thought it was me um then I got a realization through the you know through the personal development journey that I've been on and some of my you know the teachers and uh the people that I heard is that I actually realized that it's just the way I think and feel is different um I I I feel that I'm still trying to find my tribe and you know uh, going back to one of the things we said is that those the things that um define and make who we are the influences you know school family uh social circles etc like that um I felt I thought I was moving here and I was going to drop into my tribe and it was the expectation that I'd set myself and actually the learning for me was actually it's not and you've still got to find and you know that, that that's why like when you and I connected however long ago when you have those joyful conversations where you can just literally be sitting with somebody you could talk for hours and hours and there's a you know the energy exchange um and and the service and the support and the love um you know and the the learning um I'm still striving and I want to meet more people like that. You know, the funny thing is because I'm a super connector and a total geek, I've already made a list of a few people that I'm really excited to connect you with. But you know, the topic of today is visionary leadership. I yep. feel like the future of tomorrow is around humble leadership, which you've just exemplified for us today. It's like, you've got all these skills, you've got all this experience, you're helping all these other people in service. Mm -hmm. And then to acknowledge you've had, a, you've been lonely. And then to acknowledge that you still haven't found your tribe. I mean, that is humble leadership. And I feel like that's what we need because sometimes humility or humbleness, having the courage to actually ask for help, um, but also having the confidence to ask the, the questions, mm -hmm. to challenge people to dig deeper, which is, you know, like you said, you've always been like that. I can imagine you as a kid asking the five whys, oh. right? But it's like, we need people like that in society to make it okay for people that are more compliant, you know, and sometimes confusion creates compliance. Like you mentioned before, clarity creates confidence. And I'm like, yeah, and confusion creates compliance. And that's what we had in the last three years, intentional confusion, just mm -hmm. saying. Um, but I feel like I just want to honor your humble leadership. And thank you for acknowledging that. Thank you. Um, one of the values that EOS holds is uh, humbly confident. Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, thank you for uh, observing that about me. Yeah, mm. appreciate that. All right. Well, my next question is about a bucket list. So maybe we can help you. This is um, this is my bucket list buster section. What is one thing on your bucket list that possibly the reality check radio community can help you with? So I'm really quite clear on this. Um, I want to work with 100 leaders over the next five years in helping them to understand the vision for their organization and then action it moving forward um that comes with change challenge and growth but i would love introductions into individuals that are up for that journey because actually i know that i've got a really tight sweet spot in working it in that space with the with the owner or the leadership team but actually what fills me with more pride is them that then them having the skills, the knowledge, the expertise to then be able to impact their organization. 
but then the good work that they that they do so it's almost like kind of that kind of that trickle effect and kind of the, uh, the way that i kind of um the analogy that i use is um i'm a little bit like nanny mcphee often when i go in and i start working with a with a with a team is that there's a there's a real kind of frustration and they kind of don't they don't want me there um by the end of the intervention it's like i just disappear and they're like hey adam where are you going it's like i'm done my my work here is done you know you've now got everything that you need to be able to kind of move forward um i'm great i'm a i'm a quick starter i'm great at helping and 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 bringing energy and challenging and questioning and getting people to where they need to be but i don't need the recognition i don't want the recognition because actually i'm i'm in service and i just want to empower and give others uh and and show them what they can do for themselves their teams their businesses, but then more importantly, the wider communities that they serve. You work your magic and then you and then yeah. you move on because they don't need you. That is empowerment. Um, okay, everybody, a hundred leaders. So if you if you have someone that comes to mind, if you're like me and you you have these sparks of people in your mind that might help others, you can reach out to Adam. Adam, my next question mm. is um, how can people find you, follow you, and how can they connect you with the hundred leaders that they might know? Uh, okay, so find me on LinkedIn, Adam Harris. Um, I've got a website, frankandfearless.com. I've got a podcast. Um, I'm on Facebook. Uh, just just find a way. Um, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so LinkedIn is, is LinkedIn or any of the other places. And you guys all also have some posts and information about um, Adam on my Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on Facebook page. What is coming up for you in the next few months? Oh, so um, one of the roles that I've got is also as an exec director for an IT company, www.ourcloud.nz. Um, I've really, I've been in the technology space for a number of years and I'm really keen to, uh, we're, we're, we're launching um, this aspect around um, business growth performance but underpinned by by technology. So a, a lot of it is around, you know, making sure that we've got the right people in the right seats, but then how do we enable and use technology to improve effectiveness and efficiency? There's so much stuff that we're doing with regards to um, AI and automation and, and growth and, and development. So I'm just really, I'm really excited to be, to, to be, again, be, um, bringing the hybrid of knowledge and experience and contacts that I've got from, you know, from all the years that I've been working and then just sitting down uh, again, for me, it's actually about uh, the right mindset of, of individuals and organizations where there's a level and appreciation of, of value in wanting to grow themselves and their businesses moving forward. Um, so yeah, that's one of the things that I'm working on at the moment and loving it. Awesome. And I think the the fact that you've got this kind of, AI insight and plus all the experience with the leadership, it's going to be an exciting time. It's it's going to be a really interesting time going forward the next six months or so. Um, hey, Adam, thank you so much for being on the show. Before we wrap things up, is there anything else you want to add? Ask yourself on a daily basis, uh, how and what do I need to do to be a better version of myself today than I was yesterday? If that's the one question that you ask yourself, uh, then that's enough. Um, and, you know, forgive, forgive yourself for all the things that you're not doing.
because there's so many things that you are doing which are just absolutely awesome be grateful um be grateful for who you are what you've got and what you're going to become and don't rush it because the universe has a way of just allowing it to just happen and flow when it needs to oh i love all that well thank you so much for your wisdom today for your um, humility and your authenticity and for all the work that you do, keep provoking, keep challenging the status quo and keep being awesome. And hey, you're not going to be lonely anymore. And now you're a member of the RCR community. Awesome. Thanks, Natalie. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. So great to hear from Adam Harris. You can find and follow Adam. He is um, on LinkedIn, Adam Harris. And he's also at frankandfearless.com, where it says, I work with leaders and aspiring leaders to achieve greater results for their teams, their businesses, and themselves. I help them get from where they are now to where they want to be. How? By being frank and fearless. I ask tough questions and create the space for my clients to stop, pause, and reflect. Out of that space comes clarity and real opportunities for growth. I love that so much. I love the Frank and Fearless. I remember when I first met Adam, this is about four or five years ago through the Professional Speakers Association. I guess maybe it was four years ago when he first came from the UK. And I just love the synergy of the name Frank and Fearless. I said that it, that is so in alignment with my Up Your Brave um, vibe. My, and of course, now my Up Your Brave show. So I think that's so amazing. You can also find him. He talked about being an EOS facilitator, eosworldwide.com slash Adam hyphen Harris. So you can find him there as well. I love in this interview, we talked about the five whys. So asking the why, why, why we talked about um, how clarity can lead to confidence and also how confusion can lead to compliance. We, Adam mentioned how every day is a school day and so many other amazing insights from him. And one of the things, as I mentioned, that I love so much is that humble leadership that he displays. Um, and his goal, of course, which is to work to work with 100 leaders over the next five years. Um, and really, I, I love that because that's amplifying your impact, which is what I'm all about. You know, I often say I help the people who help the people. Well, that's exactly what Adam does as well. He helps the people like the CEOs and the managers and such, who therefore help the people on their teams and in their lives. And we all know the ripple effect or the trickle down effect of when you show up as a leader in your workplace or in your role or in your community or in your own family home, in your own life, when you show up as a leader and you have a clear vision of how you want to be, and then you, you move towards that, that has massive, um, massive exponential impact on the people all around you. And it really does shift the energy. And that's what we're also doing here in New Zealand, you know, well, and worldwide, we are shifting the energy, the consciousness, the awareness, just with how we show up individually, as well as, of course, the questions that we ask and the things that we stand for and the things that we will not stand for. So um, keen to hear your thoughts. Let us know your thoughts or anything that really sparked for you on Adam's um, interview, you can let us know. You can also, by the way, comment. I'll be putting some posts up on my Facebook page, which is Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh. So you can um, you can 
go ahead and comment on a post there or private message me there. And otherwise, if you want me to read something out on radio or just to let us know some feedback, you can get in touch inbox at realitycheck.radio and also 2057 on the text. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. I am your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh. And today we're diving deep on the topic of leadership in life and the workplace. So if you just joined us, be sure to go back later on. We'll probably do a replay uh, possibly later on today, um, also over the weekend. And then later it will be posted on the replays page. You can find that at realitycheck.radio. Simply go and click replays, scroll down to the Up Your Brave show, and you can find it there. I talked earlier to Pat Armistead about rehumanizing the workplace, and then we spoke just now with Adam Harris on uh, visionary leadership of self and others. So check those out if you missed them. It's amazing to have you here with us. We're talking today about leadership and this se- I'm adding this new segment to the show. We're going to try it out this week. Please let me know how you like it. Um, and remember, anything that you've got, feedback, requests, be that music or bucket list items or anything in between, you can email inbox at realitycheck.radio. And also you can text for free to 2057, which is 2057. And you can send us your text as well. So this section that I've got, I'm going to call it Flashback Friday. And this is where I just give you a little reprise, a little replay of seven minutes or so of a previous episode. And the episode or the interview that I chose was the interview with Rach Bird, where we talked about empowered wellness. And then this little section, I've just added a clip here for you to get a taste of the interview. But uh, Rach is a wellness mentor, a naturopath, and a herbalist. We will be doing more interviews coming up around the topic of holistic health. So again, if you've got questions or queries or suggestions, um, we're more than we're more than open towards hearing those. So have a little listen now. Enjoy this segment that I've chosen for you, um, where we're talking a little bit about empowered wellness with Rach Bird. Enjoy. For some people, it is running. You know, the, the only thing I say about running is for some people, it's it's it, yes, it can be amazing for their endorphins and all of the other things that it does physiologically. And your body doesn't differentiate um, running from a lion from running recreationally. So when you're running, you're still producing cortisol. So as long as you've got all your other things sorted and that's not going to be an issue, knock your socks off, go for your life, run a marathon. But, you know, it's just something to consider. And I talk to women about that too because it's, you know, often – people that they're they're exercising in a certain way or moving in a certain way that's just not serving them. And so they're still so exhausted and they're still not feeling great and they can't understand why. And it's it's about what's serving them. And it's the same with food that we put in our mouth. Some of food will serve you and some won't. It's not about one type of food being good or bad. It's just about what's serving you or not. You know, coming, you made so many good points about the running thing. (laughs) On that, I did have someone say to me a few years ago, well, you know, Nat, most people run so they can have dessert. I was like, really? No, I don't think so. I think most people run because they like the wind on their face and they like to get from A to B. And maybe for me, if I was to go running, I would have to, it would be an adventure. I have to, I don't, I'd never do the same route, you know, three days in a row. And I would just see where I end up. And I love running off trails and things. 
I don't really run. I used to be a big runner. I actually represented Canada in high school, went to France and all the things. Um, but I don't want to run anymore. And I don't, and I don't feel bad about it. And I don't make myself, you know, feel like I should run because genetically I can. My dad was actually a Kiwi Olympian. Um, you know, so I feel like we put this pressure on ourselves, right? So it's either, why are you running so you can have dessert? Well, (laughs) maybe find something that brings you more joy than just that. Or or have the dessert. Yeah. Don't don't feel bad about it. You know, it's just the, it's that whole guilt and shame and, you know, if, yeah. And, and it's all about choice. It's always about choice. Um, but if you're going to have the dessert, enjoy the dessert, you know, that's the key. That Uh, is the key. You know, something else you talk about, uh, is getting your, getting back your sparkle. So what does that mean to you? Getting back your sparkle. It, it means, you know, waking up and I'm not saying that life doesn't get in the way, but I'm talking about waking up the majority of the time and going, wow, life, life is good. I love my life. You know, that's the sparkle, right? The joie de vivre, the the oomph in your day. And, and yes, it comes with having, you know, energy and having clarity and your eyes being bright and your skin looking great because, because that's part of sparkle, right? Like it's, it's, and I'm not talking about, you know, it's not about how we look and it has to be perfect and all of that. I'm talking about that, that thing that when you see someone who's really vital, you go, Ooh, I want that, that sparkle. Mm. Yeah. Vibrant. And also I feel like, you know, I know you and I both know about human design quite often people that sparkle are people that are living in alignment, which means they're doing what they feel called to do. And they desire, they're not doing things driven from guilt and Mm. comparisonitis. That's another one. I mean, you know, a lot of people, but men and women, I feel like they compare, Oh, I really should do this because everyone else, or why can't I keep up with everyone else? Who's whatever it might be, you know, running yeah. races or entering different competitions. I had quite a few uh, friends a few years ago, they were all entering these bodybuilding competitions, you know, and some people might be like, oh, well, maybe I should enter and, it, it, you know, do it if you feel called, but if you don't just allow don't. other people to, to follow their own path. Yeah. Because comparison, mm. no matter what it's about, comparison is the thief of joy and we're here for joy, right? Joy is part of the sparkle. You start comparing yourself, you start comparing your, your thighs or your, your how you look in the, the tracksuit or what, whatever it is. You start comparing anything, it robs you of your joy immediately in that moment. So same with comparing, you know, like you're saying you had a lot of friends doing X, Y, Z. Well, if you don't, if you don't, if it doesn't light you up when you think about it, don't do it. So yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I know. And I'm. I'm glad. <laughs> Let's not go down that wormhole. Yeah. So you mentioned stress before um, and, and you mentioned energy. So is energy one of those things that a lot of people want more of? Yeah, because, you know, the modern world is, um, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to keep harping back to women, but I, I work with women only. So harp away. We... we <laughs> We are spinning plates. So if you can imagine like a someone in a circus, they've just got all these plates on sticks and 
we're just spinning more and more plates and then someone will give us another plate and it's like oh and you see that this is you know the word balance and oh just balance your work and your stress life well actually it doesn't really work like that because if you look up what balance means it just means you know every time you add something in you just got to make room for it well that's not really what we want we want to put down some of those plates because if you keep spinning plates like that as women what you end up with is a big pile of broken crockery at some point and I'm not you know pointing the stick but that's just what happens it's happened to me more than once like the, the more plates you keep trying to spin so we have to learn how to say no we have to actually learn how to choose us and we've been we've been brought up in a model that that is somehow selfish well you know that's just nonsense because if we cannot if we cannot care for ourselves as particularly as mums but as women we cannot care for anybody else we can't do any of the other things that we're supposed to be doing or want to be doing including our jobs and our clients and our mums and our brothers and our families and our kids and all the rest of it. You have got to fill your own cup first. And we talk about it a lot. And then, you know, people will go, oh, well, I had a massage or I did a face mask. Well, that's that's not what self-love is. I hope you enjoyed that little uh, replay clip from Rach Bird. You can find Rach on Instagram as well as Facebook. She helps people to get their sparkle back and to thrive again. And maybe you're feeling that you would love to thrive again in your own life or maybe in the workplace as well. What part of your life is it that you maybe need to take a little bit more of a leadership role in? Maybe it is wellness. Maybe it's your relationships. Um, and that leads me to this next little sneak peek that I've got planned for you. Now, this is where I give you a little taster, a little teaser about what is coming up next week. So next week, we're going to be diving into empowered relationships. We're going to look at love relationships as well as friendships. So that's going to be amazing. One of my guests is Kimberly Sweeney. She is a divorce and separation coach from Degrees of Separation. And we're going to be talking about navigating relationships post-pandemic. So this is a topical topic for many people who have been through strife in their friendships and specifically in their marital or partnership relationship is especially in the past three years with regards to what we've all been traveling through navigating through um, and we talk a little bit about that and more and Kimberly gives some really amazing actionable um, tips and strategies as well for how to co-parent um, effectively in our interview so here's a little here's a little sneak peek of my interview discussion with Kimberly Sweeney enjoy there's a lot of families in, in the same situation with um, the choices that needed to be made around the pandemic and the children and all you know the vaccination and all of those things you know and that did throw a spanner in the works for many relationships because both parties were on two different pages with their choices and you know all I can say is you've still got to get back to the grassroots of a relationship and your core values and whether they're aligned and what you can do to try and, and bring some alignment back in in other areas. I think that the the COVID um, disputes that have happened over the last three years, 
you know, just need to kind of be put pushed aside. And you, if you want to make the marriage work, if you want to make the relationship work, that can't be your focus anymore because you're probably not going to align after all this amount of time. And so what do we align with? What can we focus on that's good? You know, we, if you've got children together, we obviously all put our time and effort and energy into raising healthy, amazing children. And then hopefully you can start to rebuild that relationship and reconnect on a different level that's not around COVID and, you know, all of the things that came with that challenging two or three years. Yes, that is. And that is the that is the challenge. That is also the opportunity. Mm. When you talk about values, I mean, I know some of the I think there's 20 or 100, I don't know, values, buzzwords, for those that aren't sure what you mean, because values and philosophy and perspectives, those are different things. What do you mean when you say similar values? Values around family and relationships, I suppose, in, in respect to what we're talking about now. I mean, values in, in life generally, it's nice to figure out, you know, who you are at the core and what your core values are, but also what are, separately, what are your values and what do you want from your relationship and your partner? You know, what do you, what aligns and, and what doesn't align? And obviously, we're not going to align with every single thing with our partner because they're wouldn't be a normal healthy relationship either but what are you willing to accept of each other's core values without rubbing each other up the wrong way about you know disagreeing about those things you know what are you willing to let go and what are you willing to accept and I think sometimes just you know sitting down and and writing out what you want from your partner what your core values are in regards to family life and how you bring up your children and all of those things, those things have to align, you know, to make it work. Right. And of course, values very different from opinions. Mm, absolutely. You know, yeah. it's interesting. I, I mentioned in the show a few weeks back that, you know, 2023, well, 2020 was the year of clear vision where many of us, not all of us, started to see things more clearly with what was going on in the world and the government and all the things uh, 2023 is the year of evaluation and accountability. Now, putting that into perspective under the banner of relationships and love, it is a great time to evaluate or reevaluate your our own relationships. Um, but also for me, I think like reimagine, right? So it's it's also a great time, you know, astrologically and everything to really think about how do we want things to be? So not just like reevaluate, like this is bad, or this isn't what I thought it would be. But mm -hmm. how do I want it to be? What does mm -hmm. what does a healthy marriage look like? What does a happy marriage look like? And starting to reimagine what that looks like. And then for me specifically, taking an accountability going, okay, Nat, if you want it to be fun, well, you got to bring more fun to the party. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. You know, I think, with everything in life, how you show up is is what you'll get back, you know. So what you give out and what you show up is hopefully what you get back from your children or your partner or your friendships, you know. And um, and reimagining, you know, what you want for your future. You know, when when we get together with our partners of twenty years, we've we've both changed, and hopefully we've both grown a lot, and hopefully we've grown together through that, through different interests or what have you, but you know, we are forever evolving and hopefully your relationship evolves with you, you know, and 
And if it's not, then it's a good time to sit down and reevaluate with each other about what you want for your future. What are you both aiming for, for, you know, your hopes and dreams and together, you know, hopefully you're still thinking about that togetherness and planning for a future, you know, of when your children leave home or retirement or travel or whatever the things are that you both want to do that is going to keep you growing together, not apart. Well, you touched on the topic of, you know, growing and and evolving. Do you find, because this is what I see, at least in my experience, because I'm in the entrepreneurial space where a lot of people do, or a lot of women, those are my people, do a lot of personal development, personal discovery, self-reflection, facilitated self-reflection, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Is it sometimes I find is that that person is evolving more and then there becomes this bit of a void or a Mm. gap between um, husband and wife, just because maybe one is quote unquote, doing the work, Mm -hmm. self-reflection, I mean, not laundry and mowing the lawn. Um, (laughs) And the other one is, is just, you know, going through their, their day and then going to work and coming home and doing the, and helpful with driving the kids, but not so much on the personal discovery. Have you noticed that at all with your clients or or your Mm. own reflections? Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, there's always potentially one, one partner in a relationship that's going to do more personal growth and self-discovery and often it's the females of the relationship because you know we're interested and we are intrigued by these things and we always want to you know help ourselves and help others and that's generally why we do it and so uh, from my perspective I know that everything that I've learned over the years I've been able to impart that onto my daughter and and so you know whether it's your your children or your partner it's just imparting and subtly what you're learning along the way and it's kind of like a a, you're a in a coaching role so rather than a telling role you're guiding them and coaching them and just sharing what you learn about you and seeing if any of it you know resonates with them and if it does then you can get into a deeper discussion about it and if they don't seem interested then obviously you you move on (laughs) but I think what you learn for you is obviously you know a reflection on your growth and your ability to share your knowledge with your your children and, and hopefully your partners coming along for the ride too even if sometimes they're sitting on the outskirts listening to what you're talking about with the kids you know it can be enough for them to reflect and maybe subtly take things on board without letting you know they are there you go there's a little sneak peek of my interview coming up next week with Kimberly Sweeney I'll also have another guest as well where we're going to be talking about friendships you can find Kimberly at degrees of separation dot let's find out co.nz degrees of separation .co.nz. You can find out more um, about that. And also, I would love to hear from you. I personally would love to include some audio clips um, or some comments from people that have also been navigating relationship woes, specifically over the past three years as a result of whatever mandates, life in general, differing opinions. I would love to hear from you. Um, And you can write to me and you can just say anonymous, or if you're happy to say your name, for example, like Emma from Dunedin or whatever, um, that would be great. You can write to me, um, just get in touch with me on Facebook. Messenger is probably the best directly. You can go to Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh and message me. Or of course, you can always send it in to inbox at realitycheck.radio or text to 257. 
I would love to hear from you. Also, if you've got questions, if you're in a situation and you'd love some advice from one of my guests next week, um, if you let me know, I can include the question and we can give you some actionable advice and guidance. So other topics we've got coming up for you on the Up Your Brave show. Um, in the next few weeks, I've got nonviolent communication coming up after the friendship relationship topic. We've also got one around how to express yourself, looking at um, fitness and body love, looking more at holistic health, also at the education system. What is in store for our kids? Let's have a look at the education system from primary right through to uni. What does the future hold? But as always, I'm totally open to your suggestions and your requests. And of course, we don't just want to talk here on Up Your Brave and on Reality Check Radio. We do we do talk, but what we want is empowered action. What we want is intentional choices in your life. And so we don't want you just to listen. We'd love you to take on board anything that is relevant for you from any of these shows and take empowered action in your life, whether that be upping your brave to ask a specific question or to maybe push back a little bit more or maybe to speak out or speak your truth or maybe to apologize. I mean, there might be some people listening today that are thinking, hmm, I haven't really done great in the self-leadership department. Maybe there's people in your life that you want to apologize to um, about how you treated them. Or maybe like Pat, you just want to go and give somebody the opportunity to share anything that's on their chest that they want to share with you. And you simply say, thank you. Um, we are changing the way that we communicate here you know, in New Zealand and beyond. And as a result, hopefully role modeling that to our kids as well. It's been amazing to spend time with you again here on the Up Your Brave show. I look forward to sharing more insights and inspiration with you next week. It is all about courage, confidence, community, and connection. So go out there, up your brave, and be who you are. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh. On RCR, Reality Check Radio. People are struggling to have conversations and connect with others that they don't completely agree with on every topic. And I think that's probably the biggest problem that we need to try and solve is how after all this division and after all the separation, do we end up bringing people together again? And what does unity really look like? New Zealand faces some pretty big issues. First one is COVID in the aftermath. There's no getting away from that. Second is racial division. It's been ginned up and it's dangerous. Another issue that maybe people haven't got their head around yet is digital currency. What form does that take? Is it programmable? Will it be used to manipulate behavior and patterns of behavior? Those questions need to be asked and answered. How can you have fair, open, democratic government by people who are appointed? It's a ridiculous idea. And if that idea is taken to its zenith, then this country is in real trouble because democracy, one person, one vote, where every vote is of equal value, has got to be the foundation of a modern New Zealand. What's true, what's not true, how our kids are to be educated. And, you know, I have a great fear for the future. I think we know from history where this could end up.